Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. The attack on all your senses from minute one. It was incredible. Don't just hand over this life. Educate yourself. I welcome anything that would help to protect the children further. The same spiel we get from them. Very little respect. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. So, what do you think of the new Garda uniform? Polo shirts and soft two-tone soft shell waterproof jackets and and what they call I have no I don't know either operational trousers I don't think you've ever seen them on a catwalk operational trousers uh, I think for women it means they'll have pockets um, I don't know whether they'll actually fit like the last ones didn't uh, but at least they I think they're I, you'd hope, wouldn't you, they're putting a special cut into the women's trousers. You, you would hope, because unfortunately some of the some of the guards looked like they were walking around in a couple of shopping bags because they just didn't fit them. They weren't designed to fit them. Uh, and I also hope that the new trousers for guards, although I think they did soften them years ago, won't be like wearing sandpaper. But what do you think of the new Garda uniform? I think it looks nice, actually, and it's, it's kind of modern and kind of more practical like a polo shirt in the middle of summer would be grand and the soft waterproof jackets would be grand and if the trousers fit properly and are comfortable they'll be fine too um, I wonder would we ever go as far as the Australians and let them wear combat shorts um, obviously in the full Garda logo and in, in, in summertime that would be very practical and proper proper shoes that they could run in if they're chasing some fella anyway the new Garda uniform could win you a 350 euro one for all voucher today with our friends from Board Gosh. I tell you why, I want your headline on it, on the new uh, Garda uniform. What do you think? Give us a laugh, give us a titter. Uh, the new Garda uniform, your thoughts on it. A good headline. 
for the new Garda uniform. All right. Send it in to me at 083 396 96 96. Coming up today, the cost of living still going up. Something's going up now every day. But there might be a way for you to cut your mortgage payments. I'm serious. Even though things are going up, there may be a way to cut your remortgage or your mortgage repayments. It's also safer in- internet day. We twigged this yesterday and teed it up for you. We'll have a few tips for parents on just keeping the children safe online. And a listener has been on to us. Now she she had a nightmare, basically. Her child, her youngster, knocked locked her into a room in the house. Couldn't get out. She was stuck in there for quite some time. And we're wondering, has your child ever done that to you? And any advice for parents of young children? Uh, like Simple things like, don't leave keys indoors. But then you might want to lock yourself into a toilet or something. But this woman, Fiona will tell us about it later on. She locked her, her child locked her into the utility room. And she was there for quite a while. She was panicking a bit because there was something on the stove. Panicky moments. That's all to come a little bit uh, later on. But to uh, begin this morning, a man is still in Garda custody after an incident in Fromoy this afternoon, or yesterday afternoon rather, an alleged assault on a teenage girl in broad daylight in the middle of Fromoy. I've been catching up with Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent. So Ralph, this seems to have been quite a serious incident in Fromoy yesterday. Can you describe what happened as you know it? Yeah, surely. It could have been very, very serious, PJ, but for the heroics of two younger teens who prevented a very nasty um, assault from becoming, you know, potentially catastrophic. Essentially what happened was this 16-year-old girl was walking just off the town centre when she was confronted initially by a a male. The the reports initially were quite um, confused. It was believed that there may have been two males who confronted her and that they were both in their late teens. Now, the Guardian are now satisfied that the primary motivator in this was um, in his late 20s, early 30s. It is unclear if there was a second male involved in the initial um, attack. But what happened was this girl was attacked in, a, in an area. Uh, she was shocked. She started screaming and shouting for help. Uh, a short distance away, two younger teens were walking. They heard the shouts and the cries for help of this young um, girl, and they went to see what was going on. Initially, I think they thought it was a joke or a prank, but then they realized this girl was in serious difficulty. And very bravely, despite the fact that they were much younger than the individual involved in the primary assault, they intervened to try and help her. They were then themselves subjected to an assault um, by this older male. And it appears that one of the younger boys was struck with a bottle and he suffered a cut, um, which later required hospital treatment and stitches. But thanks to their courageous actions, this older male fled the scene on foot and it was uh, the, the alarm could be raised and Gardaí immediately began a major investigation. Geographically, Ralph, where exactly did it happen in the town? I think the two, two of the most shocking aspects of this, PJ, if you ignore just what a nasty assault it was, was the fact that, number one, it happened at 20 past one in the middle of the day. So it happened in broad daylight. And it happened on a, a street literally maybe 50 to 60 metres from the church in the town. So it's literally just off the town centre. Usually a 
because there's a number of schools in that area, there's a number of shops, uh, there's another of, of business premises. And I think that's really what has shocked people is that it happened in the middle of the day and it happened in an area that's normally quite busy with, with pedestrians, with motorists, whatever like that. I understand there has been an arrest there has, PJ, you know, as I said, guard, the, the alarm was raised, Gardaí began a major investigation and it, extra officers were immediately assigned. They began trawling through CCTV footage. They spoke to the various witnesses involved and very quickly um, they had identified a suspect. So there's a man in his 30s has been arrested and taken to Fermoy Garda Station for questioning. Now what I can tell you is that he is being detained under Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act which allows him to be questioned for a maximum period of 24 hours but of course that does not include rest periods so if the man took say 6 hours, 8 hours to sleep last night well then the 24 hours would be extended mm. uh, potentially into uh, Wednesday. Okay. Just uh, while I have you there Ralph there was another incident the story actually broke here on the show last week of a woman at attacked by, we believe, a young teenager. There is an update? Yeah, uh, that girl is making a good recovery. Now, she was very, very um, traumatised by what had happened to her. Again, it was quite a nasty and vicious assault. This girl uh, was walking home on her own when she was set upon. And again, but for the courageous intervention of local people who heard her cries for help, who came out onto the street and basically confronted the individual that was involved, it would have been much, much worse. Now, she suffered a suspected broken jaw. She was taken to hospital. She suffered significant cuts, abrasions and bruising bruising to her face and neck and arms. But I understand that she is making good progress and the Garda investigation is at quite an advanced stage. CCTV footage is apparently going to play a crucial role mm. in that investigation. And again, one of the, the most concerning aspects of that investigation is that the person of interest to the Gardaí is mm. believed to be aged just 13 or 14 years. Yeah, that's a disturbing element, to, a, a most disturbing element to it. Ralph, thank you very much for that. Thanks, Peter. Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent speaking to me there before we came on air. Is it just me? Um, well, we had this awful incident yesterday. Then we had the other young woman that we referred to there in our conversation with Ralph. There was a woman attacked in Stevens Green in Dublin. There was a woman attacked in Kilkenny. We've had several of them, a spate of them, right back to January 12th when Ashling was attacked and murdered in Tullamore. And I just, I was throwing this one around in my head just over the last 24 hours or so and I can't quite put my finger on what the right answer is is it that there is currently a spate of these attacks happening is there some kind of a very sinister upturn in the number of attacks like this or is it that they've always been happening but we never heard about them We didn't hear about them, they just happened and people pieced their broken lives together particularly if they weren't seriously injured they just pieced their lives together and they got on with it. Are we here, or or is there more? Like, Let's go back again. 12th of January you had Ashling, Then you had one in Kilkenny. Then you had one in Stevens Green. You had another couple in various locations that I can't recall. I think there was one in Limerick. And here in Cork last week, 
that young woman walking home, attacked by a young teenager. And then yesterday in Fomoy, broad daylight, middle of the day. And fair play to those two young lads who intervened. They actually did what we, what we all should do, I guess. But just, is it that there's more or is it that we're just hearing about it? I mean, the people are outraged at the shocking death of Ashling and indeed attacks like what happened yesterday. And those two young lads, what fantastic, upstanding young people they are. And, and they're just part of the change that's needed in attitudes towards women. Like, it's not acceptable for any of us to stand silently by when this is going on. We all have a duty to act, which is why Cork's 96FM and the Irish Sun has launched a campaign asking you to call out unacceptable words or actions that show disrespect to women. Because it's only when we all act together that we can make a meaningful change. So join us here at Cork's 96AM and to call this out. Other news around the place. Did you see that video of the young fella in Mahan yesterday? Um, Fiona was amazed. Here he is clinging onto the back of a double-decker bus, going down through Mahan. You know, different way of catching the bus. I hate to break it to you, Fiona, but people were scutting buses in Cork 20 years ago. They've never seen it in Cavan because maybe they don't have buses in Cavan. I don't know. <laughs> but people were scutting buses in Cork when I was going to school. It was never right, by the way. It was always desperately dangerous. But there's a young fella scutting a bus down in Mahan yesterday. I had to say I laughed a bit. 0818-969696. Board Planola has approved the compulsory purchase or acquisition by the City Council of those derelict buildings in North Main Street. Now, I'll lay my interest on the table here. I, I happen to know uh, the, the, the lads that owned or used to own those buildings before they went into the hands of, uh, of a receiver. So I, I just won't I'll just add to that. But four CPOs um, were all signed in recent days, 62, 63, 64 and 65 North Main Street. Sites considered to be derelict in what they call a ruinous and dangerous condition. Therefore comes under the definition of a derelict site as defined under Section 3 of the 1990 legislation. They're going to be compulsorily purchased, which means that something will else will happen to them. Something else will hopefully be done to them and quickly. Moraid, Moraid Twig was out in North Main Street checking to see what people thought of that news. My name is uh, Rose Murphy in Murphy's Pharmacy, North Main Street. We would be delighted to see those buildings being looked after. Uh, many, many years looking at them in dereliction and Anything at all that improves the area, we'd be totally looking forward to seeing that. How's the trading been post-COVID for you? Uh, COVID, um, like funnily enough, the street is quite busy. Uh, during COVID, I think we had most shops open in the city in a street, which is great. Um, so like, it just shows that the, the businesses that are here are necessary for people to be, to be <laughs> and people like supporting us still. So we're very positive, you know, we always have been. Keep working away, keep making it happen. Patrick, leader of the North Main Street Traders Association. That's good news and now it's a chance for getting the buildings developed and adding more retail into the street and having a better appearance of the street in general. The buildings are one of the first you see for approaching from the Castle Street side. So from that point of view, if the buildings are redone and made into a good condition, 
it's a boost for the whole street. Post-COVID business has been not too bad, in fairness, because we have the online presence as well as footfalls, so we're getting from both sides. My name is Gabriella O'Reilly. I work in MAD on North Main Street. I think it's really good because the street kind of does look a bit run down. So as long as they're able to kind of freshen it up and make it look better without getting rid of, like, the historical kind of elements of it then I'm completely down for it. It's busy enough like some days it's less busy than we'd want it to be but it's pretty it's doing pretty good. Traders in North Main Street yesterday responding to that news that those buildings are to be compulsorily purchased. We just hope that once they are compulsorily purchased that they won't just sit there and rot. Something will actually be done about them because wouldn't that be ironic now if we were still sitting here in a year or two with nothing done to them. We just hope that doesn't happen. On the attacks, Kevin says, I don't think there are any more attacks. I think you're hearing about it more because people are reporting it, especially because of Ashling. There's no deterrent, there's no fear, and there's no respect. Mag says she really, on another note, Mag really likes the new Garda uniforms, practical and functional. Looking forward to himself getting his in the coming weeks. As I said, an opportunity for your New Garda uniform, your thoughts on the New Garda uniform to win you a €350 one-for-all voucher. Tell you about that in a while. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie They can call me. Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. The Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question. There's the latest celebrity goss. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10am. With Newmarket Motors Volkswagen. Where you can test drive the full Volkswagen range. Including the all-electric ID3 and ID4. See newmarketvolkswagen.ie. On Cork's 96FM. Uh-huh. You're up for it this morning. Your 350 yo-yo one-for-all vouchers, which we're giving away every day this week, thanks to our friends from Board Gosh Energy. The Board Gosh Energy team of professional service engineers, they use a 19-point separate checks to ensure that your boiler is running safely and efficiently. And the appointment to be got in Cork just now, if you need one, boardgoshenergy.ie forward slash services. And Borgosh Energy imagines the better way. But we are taking a look at the news this week and asking you to write us a headline. And the new Garda uniform is the target of us today. Uh, some good ones coming in already. Me- neat on the beat. Thanks, Anne. Neat on the beat. <laughs> Little announced new Garda uniform will be available in store from summer. Old uniforms nicked. Nice one. Fifty Shades of Blue. I could live with that one. Public shell-shocked by shell suits. Uh, Fashion police has already been taken up. That was going around last night, but still. There we go. The uniform is so comfortable, it's criminal. That's okay. The changing of the guards. I like that. I do like that one. The changing of the guards. Or case-clothed. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I'll come back to them. Keep them coming. Give me a headline about the new Garda uniform. Polo shirt. 
sort of two-tone, light, waterproof jackets. And what they call, and no, as I said, I don't know what it means either. Operational trousers. No idea. Get your headlines into us at 083 396 96 96. I happened to be listening to this interview yesterday with Sean Fleming. And I'm sitting there, scrolling, as you do, and have a coffee, and I'm listening to the interview, and I'm thinking, did you actually just say that? And it wasn't that there was anything completely bad in what he said. It was the stupid way in which he said it. And people struggling with the cost of living, and Sean Fleming, who just happens to be a junior minister said that people should shop around to save money. Now, look, he's right. You can save money on gas and electric and stuff if you can shop around. But regardless, the prices are going up anyway. And I was listening there. Oh, God. Oh, God. Who wrote your notes before you went into that interview? Deputy Thomas Gould was listening Thomas, he, he does have a point. If you look around and use sites like Bonkers and stuff like that, you can save money. He just chose his words very, very badly. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, PJ, I think it's more than that. I think it just shows you the attitude uh, Sean had that he thought that the only kind of talking down to people was um, his, his attitude and the tone. Listen, we, we know that if people shop around, there are savings to be made and um, that's certainly something that everyone should be doing. But it's not to a situation, no, that you're not going to be able to shop around to get your prices down because prices have gone up so much, no matter what you do now, PJ, whether it's goes electricity, home heating, oil, diesel, whether it's shopping in the supermarket. Yes. Uh, it's all I, gone I up the, anyway. I was in Super Value the other day, and this woman... Was uh, was giving out about the how much it was co- the, the difference and what it's costing her now compared to what where it was before Christmas. It, people really felt it now in the since Christmas PJ. I think because of lockdown and because of COVID, everyone really went away and tried to have a, a, a good Christmas at home. But now that people are out there now and they're trying to pay their bills and they're trying to do things, people can't cope and. Yeah. Um, it's it's really it's very frustrating. And PJ, we're not talking just when I'm talking. You no, know, I'm not talking about people. Let's say with one income or people who might be in social welfare. If you're on social welfare, um, uh, it's 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 a disaster. It's an absolute disaster because these people um, are, are are were struggling beforehand. But I'm also talking about people who. Who've two jobs? I'm talking about people who have decent jobs. You know, and people yes. are looking at whether they can go on holidays, whether they can go for a, a meal with their friends, or whether they can have a nice bottle of wine at the weekend. Like what it means now to people is people are now making decisions about what time they're turning on the heating at, what time, what they're buying in the shop for their dinners or for their children. It, it's um, like it, it's actually changing the quality of people's lives. And that's why people are so angry because the government seems to be no, doing nothing. And PJ, in the first year, there's going to be a new carbon, an increase to the carbon tax. Mm-hmm. No, people can't pay at the prices that they're already paying. 
And here we have then the government adding on this carbon tax because it's, go- it's going to help people. Now, the only thing to be said about that, Thomas, and I was reading a lot about this over the weekend, they kind of don't have a choice here. They've committed to this internationally. They kind of don't have a choice. Well, please, I put it this way. If you're in government, your job is to run the country and to, to look after the people. There are people now uh, will not be putting on their heating or will be... There, there's probably parents at home or grandparents at home, at home will probably not put on their heating until their kids or their grandkids come home or until it's really cold. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's not the way. The government have a duty of care to the people. Like I, I put it this way, Peter. They, they, they do, Thomas, but they also have. Let's face it, they have a duty of care to their international commitments. Because if they don't put the the, the car, and I don't want it up, I don't want that carbon tax going up. By the way, now it's home heating oil. Thankfully, it doesn't affect me much. But it's I don't want that carbon tax going up. I'm already paying enough in tax on my fuel, more than enough in tax on my fuel. I don't want it happening. But if it is a thing that they refuse to do it. They'll get hammered by the EU. Well, you see, PJ, and we get fined. And the taxpayer will end up paying more. Yes, but they could go away and put the tax on the big businesses, the big industry that use the most amount of energy that are most... They'll pay anyway, Tom. But, PJ, why would you put it on ordinary people who are struggling? People are struggling now. And we, we, when this came up in the budget, uh, you, you, your point your point is valid. Why would you put it? Why don't you put it on a huge industry that's soaking yeah. out a nor, you know, no? Yeah. Absolutely, they'll pay their proportion. But can you really, realistically, say, well, X Y Z big corporate company uses a huge amount of oil and gas? You're going to pay all that tax. Well, we're going to exempt home heat and oil. Can you do that? Do you think? Please, yeah. Home heat and oil went up by 53%. Well, listen to me. I completely agree with you. I completely. The price of home heat and oil and petrol and diesel is gone through the roof. The problem is we made an international commitment to doing this carbon tax. These are, my mother in law has home heating oil in her house. She gets two fills a year. She's at two fills now already yes. because she has a budget that she's a, she's a, a widow. Living alone, she has a budget to fill up her home easy one, mm-hmm. right? PJ, I put it in another way. No, no, isn't that, you're you're actually, you're actually yeah. preaching to the choir here, Thomas. I completely agree with you. It's ridiculous that 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 someone like that has to pay more money out in May. It's absolutely uh, ridiculous. But but can the government, in all legal practicality, refuse to put up the carbon tax because they have put it in writing that they will bring down our levels? Yeah. They, they can switch it to big business, PJ, and keep it in the rules. You see, the rules the, the rules didn't state that you have to put on ordinary people. The rules said you have to bring in, you you have to bring in with a, a, a tax, and you have to bring in a way of reducing uh, the amount of energy people are using sure. and to get people away sure. from But, but let's also but, bring in the man who could well afford it. Like, for example, if you take someone like, like Sean Fleming uh, or any other junior minister, salary in around 130,000, expenses package going with that, a couple of quid extra on a fill of home heating oil doesn't affect him. No. But at the same time, can you then say, well, do you know what? We're going to put a tax on his home heating oil but not on Mrs. Murphy's home heating oil. That becomes impossible to administer. Well, the other thing then, PJ, right? I'll I I, I give you another example. Then. 
rents are going through the roof at the moment. Mm. Why don't we just cap rents for three years that we've been proposing? <clears throat> because landlords, small landlords, I'm not talking about the big landlords now, small landlords are already leaving the market in droves. But the reason they're leaving the market in droves, PJ, is they're paying too much tax. This is like your vulture funds coming in now, buying a property. We know that one in every five apartments that are being built in Cork at the moment is being bought up by an investment fund mm-hmm. that will have to pay no tax, right? And these investment funds. Well, you could stop that one. That. You could stop that one. You could you could tax well, them. Please, why don't you do it? Not disagreeing with you there, by the way. Not disagreeing with like, you there. We're looking at the cost of living. We have another proposal for childcare to reduce childcare by 33%. That's another proposal that we are going to bring in over time, over the space of a government. Like, you people who listen to you, some of them are rent them, some of them have mortgages, some have childcare, some of them. Like, we're not going to solve it in one, with one simple move. But if you bring in enough measures to mm. make a difference to the quality of life, and that's what we are saying, with like 100 euros now, the government yeah. are proposing 100 euros, right? By the, by the time people will get it, it'll be too late. Oh, yeah, you're not right. No, you're not right. I think we, we, we probably agree on an awful lot more than we disagree, Thomas, in terms of the cost of living. Because I've seen it myself, the cost of living in my own house has gone up. And we're lucky, you know, myself and the missus have good jobs. We're lucky we can we can sustain it. We can't sustain it forever, but we can certainly sustain it for a bit and hopefully we'll be, be able to ride through it. But like for anyone who's on a fixed income or a low income, this is a nightmare. An absolute nightmare. Kevin makes the point that they don't have a choice on carbon tax because they box themselves into it. But there are other things that they could look at, like, for example, the and Kieran did the calculation for me yesterday and tweeted it in. From every gallon of petrol or diesel, the government takes ninety-eight cents, like ninety-eight cents. That's just insane. And they could do something about that. You, you, you'd argue if they wanted to. Somebody said one time that politics is the art of the possible, and that you do what is possible rather than what you would like to do. Kevin makes a point well look if you must put up the carbon tax then offset it by cutting the VAT on fuel or offset it by cutting excise on fuel and completely agreed they've tied themselves to this carbon tax thing and they can't get it off them it's like a, it's like a ball and chain on them and they can't get it off them so can you offset it another way is what they should be thinking here did right politics being the art of the possible 0818 96 96 96 we've been talking to a few people over the last week or so whose children are affected by spina bifida and the waiting lists for procedures and for surgeries and just for pure simple assessments is just it's ridiculous utterly ridiculous Donald Gearan is secretary of the Cork Spina Bifida Association morning Donald Good morning, PJ. When we were talking to um, people about this, I was I, I was very shocked to to read the or to hear the extent of the waiting times. Yes, PJ, uh, they, they, are, they are extraordinary. But first of all, I'd just like to say thanks to you for the coverage you've given this issue over the past number of days. Uh, we really thank you for that. It's Pleasure. been wonderful. Pleasure. So. The waiting times, yes, um, it, it's absolutely extraordinary. And I suppose just a little bit about my own situation is um, we, we, I'm the secretary of the Cox Spina Bifida and Hydrocephalus Association. 
We have 50 members here in Cork. Uh, we've over 50 children and adults with spina bifida and their families. Um, I live here in Ballancolic myself with my wife Anna and we have Siobhan and she's 15 and uh, she has spina bifida and hydrocephalus. Mm-hmm. So I, I suppose we find ourselves lucky to put things in context that, that, that she's 15 now, she's had major operations in Crumlin and CUH but I suppose relative to the younger children who, some of whom, the parents whom you've met over the past number of days, the situation has deteriorated considerably. Siobhan got her operations in a timely fashion. That's not what's happening now. Mm-hmm. And people are waiting longer and longer. And th- this is having a huge impact on their lives. But people are waiting up for over a year, year and a half, for really serious operations, strictly with, re- with regard to mm-hmm. um, treating uh, scoliosis. And these would be operations, Donald, whereby for every week they wait, the situation is actually getting worse. Absolutely, this is the problem that the the, the the issues get worse and worse, they don't improve, they don't stay still, the child is growing quickly when it comes to um, scoliosis and spinal issues, um, the, the, the spine is growing and if there's a, a difficulty there, a problem there, a weakness, a curvature, that, that's getting more and more pronounced and it needs to be addressed as quickly as possible. Yeah. And reality is... Go on. Sorry, PJ. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, the reality is that, 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 that these children are, are, are suffering in, in the meantime, you know, and it's, it's, it causes them huge pain. You have your own issue coming up, I think, soon with Siobhan. And, you know, you give credit where it's due. She got many of her procedures in a timely fashion. But you have a situation mm. coming up now, and this is quite familiar as well to, to kids with, with other needs that I know about. You know, uh, she is seeing a, a neurologist on a periodic basis. But after six, after August now, she'll be 16 and she'll have aged out. And how long will it be then before you get her onto an adult service? Well, this is the thing we're exploring now. Uh, Siobhan will go onto the adult services when she reaches the age of 16. Um, and it's one of the things that we're looking for um, and what we're looking for as part of the, the, the campaign, uh, which was launched last week, uh, is that... Um, all children would have access to, and, and, and there would be standardised transition pathways from paediatric care to adult spina bifida and hydrocephalus care. Yeah. And, and that's crucial because yeah. it's not there at the moment. And look, I, I'm not sure what, what's going to happen, but, but, but I think what our understanding is that we will hopefully get, get the appointment with a consultant, whether it could be to do with urology or, mm. or, 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 or uh, to do with our shunt or orthopaedics, but we'll be on the waiting list the same as everybody else. Yeah. So, Will you know, she age uh, out of those like services when she's 16? Sorry? Will she age out of those services, like the urology? And, oh, no, she, yeah. like, no, she will have access to the, the services. Obviously, Siobhan will have ongoing health needs for the rest of her life. But, for example, if she has a problem with her kidneys, she'll be going to see a kidney consultant the same as anybody else. Right, right. But the waiting lists are the problem. And, we this enormous there, and that's one of the big issues that we want is, is that there's a transition service, and that adults with spina bifida who are living longer, thankfully, will have access to a sort of a specialised care throughout their lives to meet their complex needs. Yeah, it's not too much to ask, you know. I don't think so, and I think that he shook it up in the door last week, and he said, "Look, it's, it's not acceptable what's happening with children these days." But look, it, 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 it we have proposed what needs to be done that, um, for example, immediately to address the orthopaedic issues, that uh, 5 million euros is given to CAPA. The government have announced a funding of 4 million on an annual basis and 1 million to CHI Ireland, that's Children's Health Ireland, who manage the children's hospitals. But 
um, our concern is that that will go across a whole range of issues and it won't address the, the, the many children, many of whom are on that website, who are now waiting for orthopedic care. And what, what needs to happen is that Capan have looked for this under Dr. Connor Green, is that five million is given to them straight away and they can address 80% of those kids who are on the waiting list for orthopedic care. For five I don't million. think that's too much to ask for. For five million. Five million. Five million would settle the 80% of the cases. Do you know what, Donald, and I'm going to say this straight out, Donald, people will possibly get annoyed. Five million euro would sort out, you're telling me here, would sort out a waiting list. Maybe only one waiting list, but five million euro would sort out a waiting list. Mm -hmm. And they would spend it on a commemoration event for for something in, in the marking the Civil War or something. They would spend it and more. Am I right? Well, I, I suppose. Look, it's it, it. Five million would would sort out the, the issue, but make a huge impact. That the remaining twenty percent of those kids would then be treated in Crumlin, uh, mm. where they might have access to they would have more complex needs, and they would have access to mm. emergency care. Um, but look, it's it, it, it's five million is only a drop in the ocean in in the HSE's overall budget. Yes, it is. And I yes, think it's it's not too much to ask for. All right. Okay. Donald, thank you. And continue the great work that you do at the Cork Spina Bifida and Hydrocephalus Association. Thank you. Donald is the secretary. But just five million, as you said there, and we're simplifying things, of course we are, five million would sort out an element of waiting lists. And we're coming up to more commemorations coming up now. And you'll see seven million and such and such, six million. And the next time you hear of some kind of commemoration costing 7 million or 6 million or 5 million. Remember, 5 million might sort out a waiting list or one element of a waiting list for those kids. Just just, just process that in your head. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. We're back to the music. The Quartz 96 FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96fm.ie now. 96fm.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100 euro Just Eat voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Join the Quartz 96 FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96fm.ie. Quartz 96 FM. I should probably uh, issue uh, just an advisory to people that what I'm about to discuss next could be upsetting for some listeners, but just it's the follow on. We are following the case of James Brady, uh, age 28 from Shannon Lawn in Mayfield, who was on trial for the murder of Timmy Howrahan uh, in Cork in October of 2019. He's pleaded not guilty. Uh, the trial is taking place at the Central Criminal Court sitting in Waterford. And uh, the man following it for us is Owen Dalton. Owen, a woman called Kathleen O'Brien gave evidence yesterday. And as I said to listeners, it, it could be a little upsetting, but it's crucial evidence. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. That's right. It, it was very harrowing evidence in reality. Um, she was a, a very key eyewitness to what happened in October 2019, um, in the, the early hours of that Sunday night when Tumi Gura and Howard lost his life. 
Um, she gave a number of details uh, to the trial yesterday. She explained how she had thrown herself over Timmy Horan to protect him as he was allegedly beaten to death uh, by uh, James Brady and by a man who at the moment cannot be named uh, due to a reporting restriction. Uh, he is due to stand trial at, on a later date, though. Um, she, uh, Among the, the information she gave, she said that there had been a homophobic slur used against Mr. Harahan as he lay on the ground. And she said, she told the jury that uh, with my hand on my heart, uh, the men killed that man for no other reason than that Timmy Harahan was gay. Um, she added that uh, the two men, I suppose she, she gave a bit of a background to just what they were like maybe in the 20, 30 minutes maybe beforehand, before the uh, the, the fatal incident took place. And uh, she said that the two men were firing each other up. They were getting angrier and angrier. And then they, they came across Mr. Harahan, um, who she uh, recollected and alleged that well, he was struck first by James Brady. Uh, and James Brady had pleaded not guilty to, to the murder charge also. Um, she said that Timmy Heron didn't try to defend himself. He, he essentially, he fell to the ground. He didn't know what was going on. And, and the beating continued for, she, she reckoned, possibly 10 minutes, maybe more. And that it only may have stopped because the men had exhausted themselves. It was absolutely frenzied, and like you said, she threw herself on top of Timmy in a, in a bid to to protect him. How did she come across in court? She, I'd say, she was very upset, was she? Oh. She, she she was quite composed and a lot of the time, but I, I think as it continued on, she she did get that probably a little bit more upset. But she was quite composed in in ways and uh, very clear. Uh, at times, such as when you know she was very insistent, or she was under cross examination by the defence, uh, Vincent Hinhan, um, who you know had put forward that uh, James Brady was not involved in the assault uh, itself, and that uh, Miss O'Brien's recollection was faulty. Um, and she she was very insistent that uh, that her memory was not faulty. Um, she told uh, Mr. Hinahan. Uh, that she respects him, she respects the job that he has done, and then that is where then she she said, "I can tell you this with my hand on my heart on the Holy Bible that it was James Brady and the other man who killed Timmy Horan." And uh, she said that they had been egging each other on, that they stamped on uh, on the late man's head and legs, and that when she would try to protect Mr. Horan's head from their stamps, she claimed that they would then the two men would then move to stamping on his legs and then back to his head. When she would try to protect his legs, another would go around to his head and continue the attack. So it, it was very it was very hard evidence, I, I suppose, really, to hear PJ. And, um, and she said that she received the black eye and bruises uh, in, in the course of all this and that she screamed and pleaded for them to stop, but it, it just did not stop. And uh, by the time it did, Kimi Haran was beyond recognition, she said. Mm-hmm. And... Um, she added that uh, she actually gave a statement at uh, Anglesey Street Garda Station a little later that, that night. I, I think um, CCTV evidence has shown us around three in the morning. The attack had happened uh, shortly after midnight. And in her statement to Gardaí, she said that she knew nothing about the incident, uh, but she told the court that she no longer stands over this account and that she was scared for her life after seeing what had happened. And then that's what prompted her to give that initial statement. Um 
And so, and we know, look, I suppose the background, some of this PJ is that there were disagreements, etc. Mm. Uh, within that tented village of Mardike Walk in, in around October 2019 between different people there. The court heard from another of other homeless people yesterday uh, who said that uh, they they gave different accounts, I, I suppose, of, of just what it was like in there in the weeks leading up. Uh, one man, uh, Martin Harrington, said he had seen... Um, on the night itself, he, he essentially he, he was concerned, I suppose, for his own safety, and he fled the, the camp uh, as he had seen the uh, the shouting and, and yelling that was taking place um, involving the, the men involved. Um, so it it was quite a it, it was it was probably quite a heavy day yesterday, mm. um, and uh, you know, and, and I'd imagine very difficult for for people who would have known Timmy Orahan. Yes. He was a father of one. He was a trained chef, and he was homeless at the time of his death. I believe he was originally from the Chief's Head Peninsula in West Cork, yes. and uh, and you know, unfortunately, he died in hospital uh, shortly after the alleged assault um, in Mardike Walk. Um, the trial is likely still to continue for about another week and a half or so. Yeah. Um, but but the evidence that we heard yesterday. Uh, as it was outlined by Siobhan Langford, the, who was prosecuting the case for the state, she had said that there was three or four accounts in particular, uh, and Miss O'Brien's would be one of them, that uh, that would be essentially the meat of the case. Okay. Um, and so we, we will see, I suppose, uh, where it goes from here. Okay, listen, thank you for that. Owen Dalton, a freelance reporter based in Waterford, covering that case where James Brady, of course, pleads not guilty, denies the murder of uh, Timmy Horahan. In October of 2019, James Ray of Shannon Lawn in Mayfield, there is another man on trial who is not uh, named by order of the court. 0818 96 96 96. And we'll return from time to time to Owen as this uh, case continues. Some good headlines coming in, I must tell you, on uh, the Garda uniforms, which is our competition today with Board Gosh Energy. Uh, Operation Transformation Trousers on the Beat. Changing of the guard, I like that one. Dressed to the 99s. Hop on your guard, the new boys in blue. <laughs> We've made a little change to law enforcement. <laughs> Catwalk coppers. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's a guard they're looking insane. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. I can't wait to see the Armani response unit in action. I like that one too. I do like that one. Catwalk cops coming in a lot. Fifty shades of fifty shades of blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep them coming. Oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk; they walk the walk. Cmig.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Keep on coming. Loads and loads of your headlines coming in. For our competition in association with our friends at Board Gosh Energy, a 350 euro one for all voucher every day. And a little surprise for you on Friday. Little surprise. 
on Friday. I won't tell you about it for a while, but keep your headlines coming in about the new Garda uniform. Give us a laugh now. Be creative. Loads of them coming in at 083 396 96 96. Bunches of comments to get to. I'll get to them in the fullness of time. If you sent us in a comment on anything, just bear with us and we'll get to it. We're busy this morning on all fronts. Just want to, something there in the sports news, not in the sports news on the, on the bulletin, but in the general sports news in the newspapers. This fella, he's a defender for West Ham, Kurt Zuma. And there was a video emerged on social media, as, as videos will these days. There he was kicking his cat across the kitchen floor. And I think he did he punch the poor little beastie as well. And the Met Police, this is according to Sky Sports, the Met Police have decided not to investigate the video which showed him kicking his cat across the kitchen floor. That's disturbing, to be quite honest. I mean, surely they have animal welfare and animal cruelty laws in the UK. And to make an example of him, because, well, I, I don't know, I was disgusted when I saw it. And I know it's people, it's only a cat. It's it's a little animal. I have two myself. And if anybody hurt them, uh, you'd be dealing with me and a Hurley. I'm not, not messing with you. 0818 96 96 96. Now, with prices going up all over the place, how could it be that mortgage repayments could come down. I don't understand it. But Charlie Weston, personal finance editor of the Irish Independent, has been writing about it. Charlie, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Seems like some kind of an anomaly here. How could this be about to happen? Yeah, um, for once, um, you know, with the surging prices is good news, I suppose. You know, um, look, if you're a homeowner, surging home prices is probably good news. But if you're trying to buy a house, it's not great. But there are people who bought in the last couple of years, say those who bought between 2018 and 2020, and they may have locked into a, a fixed rate or they have a, a variable rate mortgage. They're probably coming out of that now and they've, they they can consider what they do. They are going to benefit from the rise in house prices because it means that they've built up more equity in their homes. And if you have more equity in the home, the bank will give you a better deal, a better mortgage rate. It's called loan-to-value, and all the banks have these loan-to-value-based rates. So, in, in other words, the more equity you, you have built up in the home, the safer bet you are. So they give you a better, juicier, lower mortgage rate. So it's estimated by Doddle.ie, who do a, a, a switcher index with the Irish Independent every month, they wrecked about 90,000 homeowners who bought between 2018 and 2020 could benefit from the fact that they've built up a bit of equity in their right. homes now and they could move to a lower mortgage rate. They could e- either g- get onto their own lender and say, hey, hey look, you know, we, we, we bought this house with a you know, 10% deposit, so we had a 90% loan to value. Uh, the, the house has gone up, uh, you know, property prices went up about 10% for the last few years every year. We think now we're on an 80% loan to value. We'll get it valued. Can you give us a better rate? And they, they'll probably say, yeah. And alternatively, you could move to switch the mortgage to somebody else and get a better rate. Because mm-hmm. now's the time to do this, uh, PJ, because mortgage rates are rock bottom. They're only going one way. They're going mm-hmm. up, I'm afraid. What was I reading in the last few days, Charlie, where there are some pretty long-term fixed now? You can do a seven or ten-year fixed, can you? You can actually do one, PJ, for the entirety of the mortgage. You know, the, the, the term of the mortgage, you can lock it in. 
to a rate they're quite attractive rates as well you know if you compare them to what we used to have to pay a few years ago um the likes of out of avant money have a full term uh, mortgage rate you know for the uh, that's fixed for the term of the mortgage finance ireland also have long term 20 30 year mortgages so you know um there was a time when irish people wouldn't touch a, a fixed rate uh, mortgage they didn't want to be tied in we always bought a starter home pj and the idea was you move somewhere else to something bigger and you didn't want to have to break out of the mortgage and pay a fee to break out of it but that's changed now people are uh, you know, buying a house, they're unlikely to buy another one probably. And and, and those who are on variables, which is about 200,000 people, they really need to start looking at these fixed rates, whether it's five years or 10 years or even 30 years, because mm. they're bloody good value and they're only going to get dearer. Because, mm. you know, we're hearing uh, already the, 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 the head of the European Central Bank, um, Christine Lagarde, she refused to rule out a rate right this year rate rise, sorry, you know, the Americans uh, are about to increase their mortgage rates. Mm. The British have done it already and are going to go again. So the, the, the expert view is mortgage rates are on the way up because wholesale rates are going up. Now, now I was, that last bit that you said there, I was just going to come to it because I'm one of the people who got in at the very end of the tracker mortgages. And yes. at the time, the, the person who, who advised me that way said, take that and let them prize it out of your cold, dead hands. <laughs> is that still the advice? It is, it is, PJ, yeah. And you owe that person, uh, um, you know, a, a nice bottle of wine. Obviously, you've looked after them. But, um, you know, yes, the tracker is still the best rate because they're set to move at a margin which is, you know, above the European Central Bank rate. They don't move very much. The margin is very low. You know, some people have a margin of just half a percent over the European Central Bank rate. Uh, so if you have that, you're only paying half a percent at the moment, which is the deal of this century. Yeah. Now, there are some people, PJ, where this rule doesn't apply. Does permanent TSB have what they call trackers, but they're rubbish. You know, they tend to be... Um, really expensive trackers because they're set at a margin of about three or mm. more percent o o over the ECB rate. They're rubbish. You could you could move to, you know, ICS, Avant Money, yeah. uh, and uh, or Finance Ireland that do far better. You know, that, that that that's not really a tracker. How do you get away with calling it that? I don't know. Yeah. And why regulators haven't come down on that, I really don't know. But, about, um, about, you know how uh, might, about how high might... I did hear um, Ms Lagarde make that comment about, about how, how high might they go? Well, they'll go in, in, in small chunks, I think. I mean, you know, the, I think the most market um, observers expect maybe a quarter percent rise uh, at the end of this year. Now, it may not happen because Lagarde contradicts herself. She was speaking on Friday saying she couldn't rule out a mortgage rate rise. She spoke yesterday to the European Parliament and she seemed to roll back a little bit on that. They, they, it, it's all about fighting inflation. They want to raise rates to kind of calm inflation, yeah. even though that could take a long time to have an effect. So look, it might, it might not happen, but if it does happen, I, you know, I, I, probably this time next year, they probably will only go for a quarter percent rise. Right. But even that could be expensive, like a, a 0.25% rise for somebody on a variable or a tracker, say they have a €300,000 mortgage, that'd be an extra €40 Euros a month. Mm. You know, over a year, that's a few bob, you know. Yes. And if they go again, then and, you have to with, double that. With petrol and diesel and home heating oil and fuel and all those things going up, it, it all adds up. So, Charlie, your advice is, I think, to a lot of people, if you're coming to the end of a fixed rate, Check and see what's out there and use a site like, like, like Doddle because they'll find what's out there for you. 
Exactly. If you're coming to the end of a, a fixed rate PJ, or if you're one of the 200,000 who are on variables, there's still there's still an awful lot of people paying variable rates, which tend to be very bad value. You really need to act today. Get on top of this now, because we're at rock bottom for mortgage rates in this country. Every expert you talk to, and we have a piece about this in The Independent today, expects mortgage rates to start rising. We saw a little cut yesterday from Haven Mortgages, which is reported in The Independent. They cut their fixed rate and they cut a green rate, a mortgage for a green, uh, sorry, a, the cost of a green mortgage has gone down a bit. But that is expected to be pretty much the end of any cutting we're going to see. We haven't seen mortgage rates come down much from the big banks, uh, permanent Bank of Ireland, AIB, and then we have two big lenders leaving the market. So the expectation is, they're only headed one way, you know, like the old Yazoo song from the 80s. The only way is up here, I'm afraid. So get on top of it today is the advice, PJ. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that song only too well, Charlie. Sean age here, mate. Thank you. Charlie Weston, a personal finance editor of the Irish Independent. If you're coming to the end of a fixed rate, or even if your variable rate isn't suiting you, but if you're coming to the end of a fixed rate, get in there and find out what is out there? And this is what Joey Sheehan, the mortgage coach, always said to us. And this new site, Doddle, and I think Bonkers, other sites are doing them now as well. There are, there's deals to be got. Definitely. And if you have a tracker, if you have a tracker, still the advice remains, let them prize it from your cold, dead hands. 0818969696. I see where the lads at the Cork City Missing Persons Search and Rescue have pleaded with people. They say move to remind in the paper, but I would say they're pleading with people to cop on with regard to stolen life boys. They fished no fewer than nine of these things out of the River Lee in the last few days when they're out training and out on exercises. Routine search, they took a total of nine lifebuoys out of the river. Like, can I just ask a question? What kind of a weapons-grade gobshite thinks it's a good idea to take a lifebuoy and throw it in the river, unless you're throwing it to someone who needs it? You really do need your head red if that's what you're made of. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. You are outdoing yourselves today on these headlines. I love them. I love Prada Shiakana. Don't you just love that? Prada Shiakana. That comes in uh, as well as um, dressed to the 999s. I, I had another one that I thought of. Uh, no, I, I wonder will anybody think of this one. I gave it to Fiona a while ago. Uh, my particular... But Prada Shiakana, that's, that's up there. That's up there as a real... Con- that's the standard now. That's the standard. Prada Shiakana. The Cork Coy Pew says, Copper's new slacks. Copper face, Jacks. Copper's... Fi- Thanks, Clive. Public shocked by shell suit. Public shell shocked by <laughs> shell suit. No, though, no, definitely the the best one at the moment. It's up there between. It's up there definitely between Prada Chicana and dressed to the nine nine nines. Can you do better than that? Oh eight three three ninety six 
9696. Thanks to our friends at Board Gosh Energy. A €350 one-for-all voucher to give out about 5 to 12. And that's every day this week and a little surprise on Friday. Tell you more about that maybe tomorrow. A little surprise on Friday. Today is Safer Internet Day. And uh, we talked about it yesterday. It's, It's so important that we help our kids with the internet because that survey in the news this morning they're being bullied and they, they're they just seeing things that they don't want to see and they really shouldn't be seeing on the internet and they're very worried we should be more worried about them uh, and on this Safer Internet Day I want to talk to Professor Donna O'Shea who is the Chair of Cyber Security at MTU Professor good morning and welcome to the Opinion Line Good morning, TJ, and thank you very much for inviting me onto the show. One of the things that it has been a problem for parents, I know parents that would speak to the programme frequently would say, look, we know that we need to keep our kids safe online. It's a very dangerous world, but it's not the world we grew up in, and they are way ahead of us, and we have to try to keep up with them, and it's hard. Absolutely. Yeah, I think... um as parents, you know, we're all very familiar, you know, with the daily routine of getting our kids ready for school in the morning. And as part of that, we remind them to brush their teeth and, and their hair and change their socks. And these are all things that we understand very well and form part of their personal hygiene practices. But internet safety day for me is an extension of our normal everyday personal hygiene practices, but for cyber. And creating good cyber hygiene practices basically gives us the skills as parents and, and gives the skills to our to our children as well to protect themselves against threats such as cyberbullying and malware and personal finance and identity theft. And the reality is, PJ, it's never too early to teach our skills. The skills to actually protect our identity and develop these really good cyber hygiene practices. And they're really simple and they're grounded in common sense. Talk to me about our, our digital footprint. We, we hear so much about carbon footprints, but talk about our digital footprints. We all have one. They're getting larger. Absolutely. And are so, there dangers with that? Yeah, I think the first thing we need to do is check our own digital footprint. You know, it's the same way that you can actually check your carbon footprint. And the best internet forensic tool out there, PJ, is actually Google. It's free and everyone can use it. And when you live in the public domain like yourself, PJ, you might, or, or to a much lesser extent myself, you know, you might actually prefer not to do this. But the advice here is to actually, you know, type in your screen name or your email address into the search engine and see what comes up. Um, and also look at the returned images when, when you check your identity. But just checking your digital footprint is just part of, you know, developing good cyber hygiene practices. You need to own your online presence. presence. You need to limit the information you share and who you're actually sharing it with. Mm. And you need to check the security settings in your online platforms and Instagram and TikTok or if you're from an older generation, it's normally Facebook. Mm. And, we all, and we also need to remember that nothing online is temporary. So when you're sharing information and developing your own digital footprint, it's really important that you share the best of yourself and remember what other people might actually learn about you. Um, and I also really think it's very important about when you're actually sharing information about others. And this is a part of being responsible online. Mm. You have to ask permission when you tag a friend in a photo because you're actually sharing information about this person. Yeah, and that's something we do now as a matter of course in that if you, if you take a photograph and you're going to share it, 
you, you can think of three or four people who, who might like to see it, so you tag them in it. Absolutely. And, and sh- would it be best practice, Donna, to ask them, is that okay first? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even my daughter would ask me okay, if it's okay when she's actually tagging me in a photograph. And I think, I think that this is a part about, you know, developing responsibility. Mm. In and, going and could on you on. maybe explain briefly why that is? Is it because with the tag, someone can follow you then and find out more about you? Yeah, with the tag, you're basically tagging them and that adds to their digital footprint. So suddenly when you type in that person's name online via the Google engine, that picture will actually appear online. So it's, it's actually almost like a violation of trust because you're after tagging someone and adding to their digital footprint, potentially without their authorization or permission. I see. And that's the issue. I see. Teaching children that then, of course, the digital native, the, the kids practically born with the phone in their hand, like that's their life. Everything they do and think is shared with as many people that are on the end of their receiver. So how, how do we teach them that? Yeah, I think, you know, we have to teach them, I think, really cyber resilient skills. Um, I mean, cyber resilience means different things for different people, you know. So for national school students, cyber resilience is about limiting device use and not accepting unsolicited friend invitations. For secondary school students, it's about giving our children the skills to protect their digital identities and giving them the critical thinking skills to detect misinformation and deep fakes. For adults, it's about creating awareness around money mulling, Tinder swindling, while for businesses, it's about creating awareness around password protection, instant response, recovery, backup and GDPR. So there's cyber resilience and, and developing cyber resilience is different for every single cohort. Um, and I, keep, I think the key thing is when you're actually dealing with children is you really need to tell them not to believe everything they see and hear on the internet. And we're all vulnerable to misinformation and we need to give our children and our young adults the ability to spot the signs of misinformation and we need to teach them the importance of context and critical thinking um, and and tell them that parts of the video or or snippets might actually hide I suppose the intention of a video and to check the comments and don't accept everything they hear or or see actually in social media Mm. Um, and you also need to give them you know as a parent you need to give them skills to actually develop these cyber hygiene practices in relation to their phone use internet use and, and social media to tell them that if something is free, it's actually not a good thing. Um, and I even tell this to adults all the time. Mm. You know, you're Saturday morning and you're hanging out at a local cafe and you connect to a free Wi-Fi and, you know, you're doing a few tasks like checking your bank account, browsing. That's not a good idea. You know, it's free and that's not normally a good thing. Mm. Yeah, the only thing is that how do you do have those conversations with, with a kid that will say, Asher, don't you know anything? Because... They're generally a couple of blocks ahead of us. Yeah. And and that, what would you stop, Dad? You have no, you don't know what you're talking about, Dad. Yeah, I, I think that's a major challenge and I even find that challenging myself. Um, but there are some excellent resources around internet safety that have been, I suppose, especially commissioned and targeted for young adults and teenagers and, um, and for children and, and, and primary school as well. And an excellent resource um, for, for young adults is WebWise um, and they have a whole series of information, presentations and, and a whole set of engagement activities teaching these types of cohorts the skills of developing good cyber hygiene practices 
And the HSC also has a lot of resources on cyberbullying and, um, mm. you know, developing skills. Sure, but Donna, the only problem is this, and, and I agree 100% with you. They will look at that and they will say HSE, they will say adults, they will say old people. How yeah. do we make it attractive for them? How do they? How you know? You know the way you're. I don't know if you have teenage kids, but but I certainly had not so long ago. You have to make them want to get it for themselves. Yeah, I, I, we face this all the time, you know. And I guess like as part of the work that we're doing here in Munster Technological University, we're developing custom cybersecurity academy courses for for teenagers because it's a different language. And they're a different target audience. And um, this year, we're going to be accepting applications for fourth-year and fifth-year students to participate in our Cyber Academy. And as part of that, we're going to give these types of students and these types of learners real-world skills in ethical hacking, cryptography. We're going to bring in people from the guards, teach them about, uh, you know, um, you know, careers, uh, awareness, um, cyberbullying, all that. So, you know, if anybody wants to, I suppose, can't communicate with their with, with their teenagers or sure. find it difficult. You know, this is this this is another mechanism to actually engage with their with their with their kids. Excellent. There was something on the weekend. Uh, the writer Adam Kay spotted um, a photograph of the Queen, and to celebrate her, to mark her her seven her seventieth anniversary of of becoming Queen, and she had the famous red box open. And there was a piece of paper on the desk in front of her from the red box. And Adam Kay used very simple technology to show how anybody can focus in on that piece of paper. And in other words, the Queen's digital footprint, she'd accidentally lobbed a load of possibly crucial state information onto the Internet without even thinking about it. Absolutely, yeah. Huge. I, I think that um, luckily we do have rights. Um, so I guess if you do want a piece of information removed um, from a social media platform, we do live in the EU and the, the EU Article 17 of the GDPR basically allows a person to demand a company such as Facebook or whatever social media platform to erase all personal information. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Regarding him or her. Um, and you can also request all the information that social media platform has about you at any time. That's your legal right. Um, unfortunately, deleting um, or removing information from the internet is really difficult. Mm. Um, because once it's stored in one server, it can go to other servers. And removing it permanently from the internet is, I suppose, the risk of managing your own digital footprint. Because mm. if it was easy to delete, then we wouldn't be having to give it the skills to, 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 our, to our kids you know, in developing good cyber hygiene mm. practices. I think, it comes, it comes, I think it comes back to, finally, Don, I think it comes back to the old piece of advice we were given many years ago when social media and other things were not half as developed as they are now. Never put anything on a Facebook post, for example, that you wouldn't be happy to see on a billboard outside your mother's front door. Yeah. I think that's good advice. And I think that goes back again about sharing the best of yourself um, and remembering that that information is persistent. Um, and it isn't temporary, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Webwise, anyway, for parents who want to take a look, uh, they might help their kids. Thank you very much. That is uh, Professor Donna O'Shea, who is Chair of Cybersecurity at MTU. Yeah, Adam Kay uh, shared that picture at the weekend, and I was glad to see it, be- not so much with the picture, because I am a huge admirer of Adam Kay. And this is a by the by now, this is just a. a if you want something to watch on the telly, you, you'll enjoy this. Adam Kay wrote a magnificent book about being a young doctor in the NHS, a book called This Is Going to Hurt. And I read the book and I got the audio book and I listened to it. And it's one of the best books I have ever read. It's just hilariously funny, but also a huge indictment of how the NHS in the UK has been banjaxed over the years. And it starts tonight on BBC One as a series. And it's well worth a watch. This is going to hurt. Uh, the book is fantastic. It's on the audiobooks and it's on your Kindle and it's in your bookshops. But the series tonight on BBC One could be well worth a watch. Speaking of which, there hasn't been much talk about it. But series two of Smother, I've been watching that on Saturday, on Sunday nights while we've been recording it and watching it during the week. And they have five episodes now. The finale is next Sunday. And it's getting a bit of flack on on social, but I love it. We love it, the myself and the Queen Bee. We can't figure out for the life of us what's going on heading into the final episode. And a couple of great performances in it. Derville Kirwan is just brilliant. What an actor. She's just marvellous. And Shauna Kerslake is fantastic in it. But that young Corkman, Anna Hardwick, who's been on the show with me before, he was in uh, he was in Normal People. He played one of the mates in Normal People. Anna Hardwick is just brilliant in Smother. 
uh, as a guy that called Joe. And actually, the filming of Smother, I know, sorry, I'm going off on one of my hobby horses here now because I want to talk about it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. There's a place in Ennis Diamond in County Clare called the Cascades. It's waterfall. And they filmed loads of scenes around it and it's in Lahinchin. It's just gorgeous. Smother, it's on the player. Uh, the first five episodes of series two. Can't wait for the finale on, on Sunday night though. 0818 96 96 96. Your comp, all oh, your entries are still coming in. You're under a crest. Oh, I like that. Oh, I do like that. Lights, camera, action men. <laughs> Comfy cops. Gardaí dressed to thrill. International fashion police to investigate the new Garda Shirkana uniform. Yeah. Still, though, I think, I think, I think Prada Shirkana is out there in front at the moment. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's Entertainment. With over 2 million streams and a number of upcoming sold-out shows, Toronto's Wild Rivers has established themselves with a devoted following and captivating live performances. You can catch them when they play Cypress Avenue on Saturday, May 7th. Access all areas. Scottish Rockers Texas are set to play a headline show at the Opera House tomorrow night as the band celebrate 30 years after their debut album, Southside. They'll be playing the album in its entirety, plus all the hits over the years with tickets at CorkOperaHouse.ie. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. On Cork's 96FM. Now, I'm joined by uh, Deputy Colin Burke of Fine Gael. Colin, you brought a social welfare issue to the Secretary General of the Department, uh, and you reckon there's a few more people getting caught in this trap. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, I suppose that, Peter, there's, you know, we are paying out over 22 billion in social welfare this year. Um, but there are times when there are glitches in the system where people are excluded from receipt of social welfare or the amount they get is is, uh, is limited. And the case I have in mind is, um, is a person who has a health uh, um complaint, they're, they're, they're severely restricted because of this health condition, they cannot work and unfortunately for them when they could no longer work, they found they had a house with a mortgage of over a thousand euros a month and they, even if they got full, full social welfare, there was no way that they could pay out a thousand euros a month as you know social welfare <clears throat> over which is over 200 euros which would just not keep you know keep them going and also trying to pay the mortgage so what they did was they let out rooms in their house mm. to bring in sufficient money to pay the mortgage unfortunately the way social welfare have dealt with it is that they have decided that this is income and they're um, writing off very little in respect to the mortgage they're writing off something like 40 euros a week uh, in respect to the mortgage, when in fact the mortgage is really costing between 180 and 200 euros per week. Mm-hmm. And um, as a result, then the only 
um, social welfare they're getting is in receipt is um, 50 euros per week, which um, it's just a glitch in the social welfare system. Mm. And this, in fact, is a problem in particular where someone is self-employed um, who then runs into serious health issues. Mm. Um, they don't have the same level of cover as, say, someone who was mm. um, who's a pay on PUI system. Mm. And, and you, know, um, you know the way you say you bring this to the Secretary-General of the Department and you, you're looking for a review of how the calculations are done. This is going to sound like an ordinary guy's question, which is what it is. This is an ordinary listener's question, Colm. Who tells who what to do? Do you not go to the department well, and say, well, fix that now. Make sure that that's, that's just wrong. Fix that. Yeah. Who tells who I what to do? The, yeah, the, the, it, I've not only gone to the department, I've raised this in both the Dáil, in the Health Committee, um, the Secretary General of the Department was in before the Public Accounts Committee and it was there that I raised it with him and he's agreed to look at the review on this. And I suppose the way the system is done within social welfare is that they're looking for, I suppose, to prevent loopholes where people can take advantage of the system. Now, there's very, the number of people for the amount of social welfare we're paying out, the number of people who take advantage of the system is minute, mm. absolutely minute. Mm. Um, and But uh, unfortunately, this is a glitch in the system. And we have it in other areas as well where it is a glitch in the system and you, you're tearing your hair out trying to see how can you get um, how can you get what is a very genuine situation. Mm. Um, how can you get it changed? And in this case, for instance, one of the errors made in this case, for instance, when we sent in the mortgage, mortgage account statement which showed that the person had a mortgage of over 170000 Unfortunately, someone in the department treated the statement as a bank deposit account and deemed that the person was earning €130 Euros per week. Mm. <laughs> so, hopefully you get those yeah, things they, found and ironed out and, and the person gets gets themselves yeah, sorted. But, but it, like, is, so it is a very slow process. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I think that's what bothers people. Since time immemorial, yep. the social welfare system has had more holes in it than a sponge. Like you said, the number of people yep. who actually are fiddling the system is very, very small. But a lot of people are What's getting... What's my news? Because, like, if you look at it at the moment, we have, you know, over 640,000... Or, sorry, 740,000 people over, um, over 66 in this country. So the vast majority of them are getting um, mm. are getting uh, old age pension or contributory or non-contributory pension. Um, another glitch in the system at the moment, for instance, is in relation to assessment of monies um, which on which people have on deposit in the banks. Mm. They're deeming you're earning so much interest and you know yourself the you are the, not the, actually interesting. It's, 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 it's nothing. Yeah. Things moving slowly. Um, column. Yeah. I, I would be have to bring this to your attention now. I'm sure, in fairness, you know about it from your constituency clinics. Absolutely. Nothing is moving yeah. slower at the moment than passport applications or rather the randomness of it. I can apply for my passport and have it on the door on the doormat in two days, do it online. Somebody else will apply and they'll be waiting in three or four and five months. People are just tearing their hair out with the passport yeah. service, what's being done? Well, it's a it is a, a huge challenge at the moment. It's the volume of applications is one problem, but 
can we create a more efficient system? And I think that has to be looked at. No, we are we are taking on additional staff. Mm. Um, but it's the frustration where the frustration really arises is that, say, if it's a first time passport, especially for young children, and they're saying it's taking uh, not less than eight weeks. But the problem then is that if there's something missing from the application, and they write back to you, and you then for furnish that documentation. The eight weeks starts running again, and, and that's, that's just ridiculous. With all applications, that's and just that's the ridiculous. kind of problem. Oh yeah, but that's and one of the other problems that we've arose in our office in the last week, for instance, where you give a reference that the passport office can ring. And they rang the number once. The person, unfortunately, was at a meeting, didn't take the call. And then they deemed that this person no longer, um, mm. you know, was was the, 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 the referee. That, that, um, that, that's so kind of making, You know, like, we all we, like, miss we, calls. We, I miss calls every know, day of the yeah. week. So one phone call to this to the person that, the nominated referee. Clearly not good enough. Like, not, and ways to improve enough, it you know? are very welcome. And, and we'll, we'll wait and see yeah. what they are. But like, we got a, a call from a guy waiting for five months, Cullum. Who's yeah, trying to go on holidays I mean, next I, week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And he's already, remember, he's already had a holiday booked in December, which he had to postpone. Um, we're trying to deal with that this morning. Um, and we are followed up with the department. And in fairness to the people that we are dealing with, who, um, where when we do get onto them, we find them extremely helpful. Yeah. Um, like why is why does it happen some, that and it's and you know if you can sort this chap out great it's brilliant and we 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 know that a certain amount of that goes on but why is it a thing that a, a public representative rings up and says I'm here to talk about Joe Bloggs passport he applied oh hold on Bloggs Joe oh there he is yeah there he is I'll process that today that shouldn't be necessary. I agree with you. Why is it um, happening in the first place? Well, I suppose it's just the frustration that people have in that they ring up the passport office. In fairness, they, the people that they do get to see, uh, they get to talk to. And that's on the basis that they, they're, you know, sometimes people are waiting in here up to three quarters an hour to an hour um, for to get an answer and get totally frustrated. Therefore, they then automatically will will ring a public representative's office. Mm -hmm. But the kind of glitches that happen, for instance, we came across a case yesterday morning where someone applied for the renewal of a passport of a child, but unfortunately ticked the wrong box where it's they ticked the box as if it was a first-time application. <laughs> and as a result, now it's gone into the eight-week. But sure, that, that should be solved with a simple phone call. Oh, I know. When it comes know, across the desk I, of, so, of the first assessment, should be a simple... Yeah. Like, but can I just say, Neil, one of the, or sorry, PJ, one of the, one of the problems that we have at the moment is that there's something like one million passports to be renewed this year because you know mm. passports that people have are expiring. Mm. But, but didn't we didn't expired. we have the whole of the pandemic to plan for that? Like but, we have we seem to have a problem, problem Colin PJ, but the problem PJ, but the problem PJ was that when P, when during the pandemic when passports expired, people said, "Sure, I won't be travelling for another six months or twelve months." I know you can't blame the people for that now. You can't blame. No, no, no. But, uh, well, but like there are people paid very large salaries to anticipate yep. this kind of stuff. Yeah, but we have taken on extra staff, PJ. PJ, we have taken on extra people, and it's the case. But there is a surge because even outside of the pandemic, there was, there is, in fact, for 2022, there is over one million passports to be renewed. Mm. 
and that's a huge volume of passports. Um, it's about trying to get... But we also knew, that, see, this, I mean, here's the thing, the passport, from the moment it is issued, has a set mm. expiry date. We know they're going yes. to expire. So it, do, it shouldn't come as a surprise that people's passport expire, and it shouldn't come as a surprise that a large number expire, because from the day it lands on the doormat, it's got an expiry date. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So you like we ev- yep. the, does the system it, not does the system not flag stuff that's coming up? Does no one plan ahead? Because that's what it sounds like. Peter, gonna- but Peter, the, the you know the the whole online system of that's working well. Applications it's is, working well. Is working well, and in fairness, you know that has been developed over the last number of years. So there is a lot of passports being issued you know, every day, every week, every month, and that will continue to increase. Mm. And it's about getting, I suppose, we during the pandemic, there was a situation where um, people and uh, not everyone was in working from mm. their, their 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 location. That's all now changed. But should we were working, so, hang on, the whole country was working at home with Zoom and, and computer well, access no, and all of this, do you know? Yeah. Yeah, but PJ, all I'm saying it sounds like there was only it sounds like there was only half a plan there. I mean, to be honest with you, I could start this program every morning for the last week and every morning for the next week with an equally valid passport story. It's just it's it's crazy, PJ. I'm dealing with them every day of the week, and I've been for the last three to four months because it is you know once something gets caught in the system, once something gets caught in the system. It's the difficulty about tracking it and trying to get it up. Then maybe it's time. Then maybe it's time for people like yourself and others to take that system by the scruff of the neck, because like getting caught up in the system, coming back and saying such and such gets caught up in the system, we appreciate that. But where is the taking by the scruff of the neck of the system to make, and there is no reason why, and I'm sorry, I I think people don't accept it, there's no reason why the written in system if all your paperwork is correct first day, and and that's important, and let's forget, if all your paperwork is correct first day, there is no reason why you couldn't turn over a renewal in the same time as you would turn over it online. Surely. Yeah. But the 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 volume of of applications, like you're talking about, thirty to forty thousand applications per week. So, and I, that's a figure mm. that I'm. Is there just, a printing press in Cork? Figures. No, there's no printing press in Cork. Why isn't there a printing press in Cork? It's a major passport office. Why isn't there a printing press there? I'm not sure what the issue is, but the main printing press is the the printing press is in Dublin, mm. and all of the printing is done in Dublin. Wouldn't it make life an awful lot easier in that big building down there on the Mall? If you had a printing press to deal with all of the passport applications for the south of Ireland or for, for the, say, Munster, make it so much easier. Yes, and I suppose this is about the whole issue about decentralisation. Remember, the office in Cork was closed for quite a, a long period of time as well. Mm. Look, what we need to do now is we need to make sure that all of the online applications are dealt with as efficiently as possible in the fastest time period. We know we need to make sure mm. we have a mechanism for dealing where there are glitches in the system in relation to uh, where there's information not appropriate, not filed correctly, that instead of being put on back onto the end of the route, yeah. the, um, the line that it can be dealt with. Like, would it, would it not hurt, for example, when you're going through? Would it not hurt when you're when you're going through Joe Bloggs's passport application for for his little girl Susan to pick up the phone and say, "Hello, Mister Bloggs, it's the passport office. It seems to be an error 
on Susan's application. Could you get this corrected for us within 48 hours? Like, people will do that. But you're talking PJ's volume, um, and that's the, the issue. The volume but they can't all be making cases. mistakes, are they? Most people are no, right no, but, the, but there is, but there is. I, I'll get the percentage for you where where queries are raised, but the percentage is actually quite high, and that then causes the glitch. But the biggest thing uh, issue about is is when someone replies, it's about being put back eight weeks again for it to come back yes. up under the system. Yes. That's the thing that that's needs to crazy. be changed. But surely that's that's, because surely like that's it, in the gift surely away. that's in the gift of the political class rather than the so, rather than the civil servants. Well it is in the sense that the we can give a direction to yes. the minister can give a direction to the um, to the passport office to iron this problem out, and you take the case that you gave where the person has applied in September, they looked for further information around the 15th of December. That information was provided, and the eight weeks is starting to run from December, which will take them into um, the the later in February. So that's the problem that we have, need mm. to resolve: is when the information is supplied, mm. it should be sorted out within seven days from the date it sorted out, rather than eight weeks, mm-hmm. and that's the issue that needs be resolved. Okay, and what, what moves are being made towards resolving that? Well, we've had discussions with the Minister on it, and I know the Minister has been in contact um, with his own, within his own department as well as regards following this up and seeing how we can resolve it. And I think it's important. And remember, we haven't even seen, you know, the, the volume has increased over the last four to six weeks, but over the next Two months, oh, yeah. Going to increase oh, you ain't seen nothing yet when people want to go on their summer holidays. Yeah. Like, that's the, and that's I, the point. My advice to people... And, and it sounds like the plan wasn't there. It sounds like the plan yeah. wasn't there. Well, no, in fairness, there was additional people taken on and they were recruited, well, come back, I think, in, in October, November. But can I just say in relation to people who are even travelling in June or July or August that they should now be applying for their passport now rather than waiting until mm-hmm. April or May? So Just I think that's advice that we need to put out there, you know. A very good question that someone has brought up on the phone. Uh, you say that there's quite a high rate of, of mistakes. Well, no, 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 I'm not saying a high rate, but if you think the overall volume, say if you've right. 30,000 40, sure. applications. Well, if, are, are there mistakes? Even, are they the same? Even, sorry, Colin. Are they the same kind of mistake? And, and if they are, then could the form be looked at to make it a bit easier? They vary. They vary from you know issues in relation to photographs. They vary in relation to some bit of information in relation to the parents doesn't correspond, and with the supporting documents uh, submitted, so it can be it can vary, mm. um, and it, they're very small mistakes sometimes, but sometimes they're looking for additional information. Is it time for and, a dedicated um, unit within the passport service? And I don't know. Maybe one exists, and if it does, then maybe to staff it. With bigger stuff, is there a dedicated unit in the passport office or service purely for queries? Because if not, there should be. Well, I'm, I would imagine that they have a dedicated unit dealing with queries. But the problem is that the because of the increase in the number of applications and because mm. of the the volume of you'd imagine that that could 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 we find out for sure whether there actually is a dedicated unit. And if it's I'll do that. I'll staffed. check that out. But my understanding is that there is. The problem is that the 
the system is still wrong in the sense that when you reply to the query raised, mm, you it go goes back, back to the back of the to queue. The, to the end of the queue. And that's, and a, that's, that's the, the minister's query. job. That needs to be, sort, that needs to be sorted pronto that, because you're right, that that is, that's a bags. That's, that's a bags. Like if there's a small mistake on a form, you go back to the, eight, the start of the eight-week queue. That makes, that makes little or no sense. Colm, thank you for that. Uh, Colm Bork, uh, Fine Gael TD for Cork North Central. Uh, we are still inundated with passport stuff. We had another one today and we did, the chap didn't come on but that's on Cullen Bork's desk and hopefully can be can be sorted out. And there are other, this is the thing. If you ring someone like Cullen Bork or Jerry Buttimer or if you ring Michael McGrath's office or if you ring Tommy Gould's office you ring Mick, 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 Mick Barry's office you ring any Tunda Colera I'm not going I hardly can I better not name I, I, you know yourself if you ring a public representative's office about your passport, and this has always been thus, I, I can remember passport issues coming in when I was in, in the newsroom a long time ago. And if you could get a public representative to ring up and they'd pull the file and it could be fixed there and then. That has always been thus. That isn't new. But why the heck does it take that to get it sorted? And it'll be interesting to see if Colin Borg comes back. Is there a specific unit within the passport service to deal with queries? If not, why not? And if there is, how big is the staff? Because it sounds to me like there should be a lot of people in there. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, stuff coming in kind of constantly on the cost of living and stuff that Sean Fleming was saying last night. And yes, he could have chosen his words a lot more selectively. As I said, I was listening to the interview and I go, oh my God, what are you saying, man? Or how are you saying is at least... But still, your comments keep coming in on the cost of living. Antoinette says, all these suggestions how to save money and our government ministers on ridiculous wages with expenses, let them cut their wages to minimum wage and cut their expenses and we'll save a lot on that. Cut out the use of the government jet then and let them fly economy, says Antoinette. And on another element of the cost of living, uh, I've booked a ticket for my teenager for the Mint Disco, which is on later this month. I have no problem with them going out. I think it's great they can get back out to things like this. After everything was cancelled for so long. But I was shocked at the price of a ticket. 38 euros for a child. I just thought it was a bit steep. Does anybody else agree? Well, does anybody else agree? 38 quid to go to, to a disco. 0818 96 96 96. Fiona, this came in to us from, um, from Maria. And um, I think most listeners can feel her pain and may have had an experience like it. What happened to her? Yeah, that's right. She wanted us to highlight this and she wanted us to let parents know about the importance of teaching a child what to do in an emergency situation. So the other day, Maria was at home with her youngest child. Um, her husband and the older child had 
gone out for a couple of hours and she was after putting uh, the cooker on she was boiling up some rice in a pot and she went into the utility room to put clothes into the washing machine and the little girl thought it would be hilarious to lock the door and uh, she then couldn't unlock the door so poor Maria was trapped inside the utility room with no phone Uh, there was no other window there was no other door in uh, the room the little girl couldn't open the door and got into a panic and started to cry Um, Maria then got into a panic obviously as well and uh, was thinking all sorts and she started to bang on the wall in the hope that the neighbours would hear her and she was banging so hard that she actually broke the plaster off the wall and she injured her hand and um, she was in their PJ for four hours until her husband came home and what about the pot of rice it was okay well I think that the bottom of the saucepan was burnt but like apart from that everything else was fine but like you can imagine the absolute sheer terror of being stuck in a room like that and your child being out in the kitchen now I think that the little girl was so distressed herself that she just lay down beside the door uh, until the dad came home but uh, Maria just wanted to highlight that to to parents and I know like I, I was saying to you before we started the show today that uh, my son locked me and my husband into the sitting room one night and my husband had to climb out the window and try and convince Charlie to put the keys through the letterbox so that he could open the door so it is it very easy to happen like we, mm. ju- we just took all the keys out of all of the doors in the house so you know if you're using the bathroom in our house be at your barrel but um, it's just it, it is so easy to happen mm. and it's, it's such a dangerous situation and I think Maria just wanted parents to know that you know maybe it's, it's a good idea to teach a child maybe how to dial out on an emergency on the phone or, or whatever it might be but just to kind of let, highlight the situation and how traumatic it can be for everyone involved. Or, or don't don't have a key in a door don't, into something like a utility yeah. room. Yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> you know when you get when you get doors hung by a carpenter or whatever, they just leave the keys in them. It's the most convenient place. Yeah. yeah. Um, Fergal wants to know, wasn't, wasn't I wearing my Apple Watch? I wasn't. I didn't have it at the time, Fergal. <laughs> 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 All right. If anyone, if anyone has any experience of that happening, uh, poor old Maria stuck in the utility room for four hours with a pot boiling on the stove, a child crying outside. She'd beaten on the wall to see with the with the with the neighbours come in, and it was until her husband came home, uh, she couldn't get out of the room. And to be honest, we might laugh about it, but it would be very frightening for her and very frightening for the little one. But imagine if you were in a little place like the utility room and you had claustrophobia on top of it all. I think the advice is do not put locks and doors into utility rooms and places like that. But anyone else got, has, has, has that ever happened to anybody? 0818 96 96 96. Have a listen to this because I was amazed to see this video and I'm looking forward to talking to Ken afterwards. Around this time every year, I start getting phone calls off parents um, to say that their little Johnny or their little Mary has decided that they don't want to go to college, that they'd like to do an apprenticeship. And in, invariably, the parent is absolutely disgusted. I tell them the same stuff every bloody year. Let them do apprenticeships. College is not for everybody. It's just not. It's as simple as that. It's just this unbelievable snobbery around apprenticeships. If you have a young son or a young daughter and they come to you and they want to do an apprenticeship, God almighty, would you let them at it? Ken O'Connell, you're an electrician. Good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. And you, as they say, served your time as an apprentice and you'd recommend it to any youngster who wants to do it? I would, absolutely, PJ. Um, I put up that video there yesterday morning and it's after going wild on Facebook and so many shares and comments and private messages from people. I suppose, PJ, like, 
we're crying out for young people, boys and girls, to do apprenticeships, you know, but I have parents coming to me, I suppose, hoping that their kid won't do an apprenticeship, that they want them to go to college, that they, there's a snobbery, as I said in my video about it. Mm. But I also have young fellas coming to me saying, you know, that they'd like to become a carpenter, they'd like to become an electrician or plaster or so on. But that in school, it's, not, it's just not encouraged, you know? It's not encouraged. It's go to third level, go to third level. And I'm not in any way anti-third level PJ. Everyone has a place, but I'm mm. extremely pro-apprenticeship. It's given me a great start in life. And sure. I just, I just want to get the message out there to parents. You know, and, it's a, and, it's a and great Ken, career opportunity. Is there a shortage in the trades? I mean, is there a shortage of sparks coming through? It started to pick up again, thank God, PJ. But you see, the electricians and the plumbers will be the first ones to always pick back up, okay? Because they're seen as, I suppose, the nicer trades, for want of a better word. But there's a huge shortage across every trade. PJ, the best example would be try to get an electrician or plumber to your house or a plaster or a painter. It's it's very hard. There's huge mm. waiting lists for people, you know. Oh, look, I have, I have a friend who's a plaster and a very good one. And even to do me a favour, it can be six weeks before I can get him. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, look, it's, it's just a great career. And I suppose my main point, PJ, and the message I'm just trying to get out, especially to parents, is that if your son or daughter at it's always around this time of the year when the priests start happening and, and the child has decided, look, mum, dad, I want to go down the road in a friendship. Just encourage them. Let them do it because there's a great saying, you'll have a job for life and you'll have plenty of money and let them do what they want to do. Like, is, 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 is it that you know? solid? I mean, if someone went away today and trained, like you say, as an electrician or a plumber, like, okay, you, you being, it, it's your own trade. So talk about being an apprentice el yeah. electrician. You start earning a couple of quid from day one, correct? Yeah, I serve my time with a great company in Cork called Sean O'Hearn Electrical. They're based in Cork Market, Market Street, just one of the institutions of Cork. I serve my apprenticeship with them. You start earning immediately. You're paid as you as you learn, earn as you learn, as they call it. And every year, your four years, your rate goes up every year. By the end of it, you're on very, very good money. I can't remember what it was at the time when I qualified no PJ. Mm. But at the moment, a fourth-year electrical apprentice will earn just over 39000 a year. Like that's They're still in their training period at that stage you're in fourth year you know once they qualify I think the qualified rate first year out of your time is close to 48,000 a year I mean they're fantastic salaries yeah. and you're, if, if you let's say a young fella or a young girl wants to go wants to do an apprenticeship and, and the parents are trying to push them down the college route they'll come out of college after three or four years with their degree in their pocket it'll take a long time for them to build up to the 48,000 that they would have got if they were just left that. Now, something else as well, you know? people used to say, well, look, you can take a degree all over the world. Can you take a qualification served as, as an apprentice here in Ireland, here in Cork? Can you take that Abs all over? Yeah? Abs absolutely. But I'm sure, just like all, all the professions, when you go, if you're an accountant and if you went to Australia, America, I'm sure you'd have to do exams to familiarise yourself with local tax laws over there. It mm. would be the same with electrical. If I went to Australia or America, I'd have to do exams over there. They'd be nothing too strenuous for a qualified electrician, you know. Mm. And, and you is can it, take is it, it hard anywhere to get in? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of young people now, for example, okay, they're in school at the moment, but they're listening back to this on repeat or or on podcast extra yeah. or something. And someone yeah. who's maybe 17 facing into a leave insert, a bit nervous about a leave insert, but like the idea of being an electrician or a plumber or a carpenter or some one of these solid trades, how do they go about getting a start, Ken? I suppose, look, I'll talk to the electrical PJ. Yes, yeah, yeah. I suppose the quickest way to do it, look, ask for recommendations from friends and family, if anybody knows someone, first of all. But then you could go on to safeelectric.ie and you can break down all the electrician's 
by the area. So you can go into Cork, you can find every electrician in Cork, pick up the phone and ring them. Mm. And is the there a scheme? Is there a scheme like remember years ago they used to have Anko and Manpower and all these old things for apprenticeships? Is there a scheme that you could, that that you can be? Do you have to go and find your there own is place? Solace, Solace, who were the new force, PJ. Um, look, I don't want to be running them down, but I've heard of young fellas and young girls sending in CVs and going on waiting lists, but they're they're not being placed with employers. You know, I think it's better. If a, if a child picks up the phone and rings an employer themselves, comes out and meet them. I mean, I have an apprentice with me, picked up the phone, rang me. We had a good chat. He started. He's into his second year now. Do you know, that's the way to do it. Yeah. You know, you build, build your relationship that way, you know? Yeah, you're you're learning you're learning on the go, as it were. And yeah, you'll be doing you'll be doing Absolutely. the mucky you'll be doing the mucky jobs like sweeping up for a while. But that has to be learned as well. There, yeah, but you learn great great values in that PJ. You, you know, my you first do. year of my apprenticeship, I spent a lot of time going to the shop for all the other lads on site and things like that. But you work your way through, you progress, you learn great life skills. And PJ, mm. a lot of guys I would have served my apprenticeship with actually are no longer electricians. They've gone into management positions in companies. They've gone into. You know, they've gone into so many different mm. career choices because it gives you such a foundation in life. Yeah. Others have decided after their four year of their four years of their apprenticeship, they've decided, geez, I really like this. I'm going to go on and I'm going to maybe study engineering or I'm going to study something else. And it just gives you that door. It just opens so many doors for you. Know, again, PJ, I'm just the message is just parents. If your child wants to do an apprenticeship, support them. Let them at it. You know, right. just let them at it. All right, listen, brilliant. Good to talk to you, Ken, and, and good luck with your own business. As Ken O'Connell, his nutrition served his time, and there's a shortage of trades. And as he said, try to get a spark that you don't already know. Try to get a plumber that you don't already know. Try to get a flipping tiler that you don't already know. There's a shortage of trades out there. And the reason is, if you remember back in the mid noughties we had loads of guys came here from Eastern Europe who got into the trades and worked in the buildings and you could always get... Some of them stayed. Some of them stayed. Some of them didn't. We have a shortage. Of, there's a shortage of sparks. There's a shortage of plumbers. There's a shortage of chippies. There's a shortage of tilers. There's a shortage of roofers. Brilliant call, Ken. Thanks. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Kieran Leahy, where are you from? Uh, Blackrock. Blackrock and Cork. Don't ask him the address yeah. as well. Why don't you just ask him what a stair sign is and what do you have for breakfast as well? <laughs> Kieran Leahy, what did you eat for breakfast? Oh, I had uh, porridge this morning. With a bit of honey? Bit of honey. Bit of honey, lovely. Kieran Leahy from Blackrock. You've just won 2,000 euros. <laughs> Another winner! Oh, lad. Amazing, 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 amazing. You can pay now for two tickets to New Amsterdam with that. You could indeed. Absolutely. Or maybe Boston in the summer, we have a family wedding. So. Oh, nice. Oh, fantastic. Stacking up the cash. Yes! Cash! The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. Ninety-six FM. If you have a youngster comes to you and says, I, I think I'd like to be an apprentice, carpenter, electrician, plumber, painter, whatever, embrace it. Because they'll they'll be working. They'll they'll have more work than they can handle. Is the long and the short of it. Come here, Premier League Live is back Saturday, the twelfth of February. On 96 FM.ie and on the app. 
It's been on a little two-week break, but it's back this Saturday with Trevor Welsh and the team. Uh, live commentary on the biggest games with now stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership. Your sport on your terms. Streaming only the games that matter to you most with now. And listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or at 96FM.ie. 0818 96 96 96. I have a young fella who has done one year as an apprentice and then he gave it up because his mates were making more than him. The Egypt just left. No talking to him. God. And then my son's doing his apprenticeship after his leaving to be an electrician. I support him 100%. That's Alan from Toker. Loads of passport stuff as well, which I'll get to in a little while. But I want to talk to Paul McCarthy uh, for about Game Changer, which is on TikTok. It's a mental health program on TikTok. Paul, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. What is Game Changer all about? Um, Fergal, uh, Fergal rang me the other day and um, there was uh, someone rang in Fergal and he spoke about some of the stuff that we're doing around the north side at the moment mm. and uh, he was asking me about um, what's happening on TikTok and basically I'm not on social media at all but we've been doing seminars and retreats there for the past two years and we basically uh, help kids and help adults it doesn't matter what area of life they come from it doesn't matter if they're financially free or if they're on the social welfare we do retreats and seminars and we help people with their, um, with their head. Example, uh, let's, I'll give you an example and I'll tell you what we do then, is that when, when we're born, everyone's happy, everyone's contented. But as we go through uh, life, we start developing like um, a personality. And as we get older in life, the voice in the head gets negative. And what happens, a lot of people, they live with this self-image and this voice constantly criticizes, criticizes themselves, constantly, uh, even if they're on the outside, they feel confident and feel happy inside they're in turmoil so what we do within a three-hour seminar we show people how to relax that voice we show people how to connect back to the innocence of a child and we've been getting uh, huge breakthroughs and it's after taking on a world of its own now so we started doing retreats we're actually going to retreat now next week up in Westport and as I said to Fergal I'm not on social media but I might have to go back on social media so I created a TikTok channel because all my kids' friends started following me and then some adults started following me and I've been putting the material on TikTok now on a daily basis. Hmm. You, you talk about that change that comes and maybe it's part of the, the rush of hormones in adolescence. I, I don't know what it is, but you start out thinking you can conquer the world and then something happens to you and all you hear inside your head is, Usher, what good will you ever be? Somewhere in between, you've got to catch that. Exactly. Like example, let's say, no, PJ, you were going through poetry today and you're going through poetry and you've seen a, a friend in school that you didn't see in 20 years. But let's say he done something wrong to you 20 years ago. By the time you get to your destination on McCurtain Street, you're probably after arguing in your head. You're probably after giving out to him. You're probably after fighting him. You're probably after saying a lot of stories that are not true. So what we, what we show people and teach people is that you can observe that mental chatter. There's, because there's a thought and then there's a tinker of a thought, and that tinker of a thought plays loads of stories that are not true. But then there's an awareness presence that observes that tinker. So when you tap into that awareness, what happens is that noise in your head slows down. So what we're finding with people, and we have people coming to our seminars. We've just done a fire walk during the weekend for over 150 yes, yes, people in yes. the black market. And what we have is we have people, like, like one person, my father, 74 years of age, 
walked over the fire in a few hundred degrees. So we had people stepping out of their comfort zones. And what, we, what, what we're finding is that people are a lot more happier. They're a lot more contented because like, if you look at anyone's life, what, what does everybody want? Everybody just wants to be contented. Everyone wants to be happy. But this noise in the head that a lot of people are, are, are facing and their inner demons, some people don't know how to get out of the way. Like if you get up in the morning, PJ, let's say you go downstairs and you're brushing your teeth. A lot of people, then we can't wait to get to work. Then we're in work, we can't wait for lunchtime. Then we're in lunchtime, we can't wait for tea time. Before we know it, the day is over again. But what happens, the ego, which is a false sense of self, never wants to be in the present moment. It's always projecting us into the future, telling us that the future is going to be a better moment. But that's an illusion. So when you spot to it, the illusion of the ego and discover that right now is the most important moment, there'll never be a moment in your life that's not right now. So when you make the present moment your best friend, all pain falls away, all suffering falls away. And what happens then, you connect to the innocence of a child and then freedom is here. Mm -hmm. And that's what we show people. And then we get people to do things like firewalks if they want to. We put on a, a big show on the weekend in the black market and a big show out to um, Damien Tuig. He left the shoes his venue. We had a concert as well afterwards mm -hmm. where we had some um, acts come from all over the country to perform. I heard about that. A very successful event by all accounts. Interesting you say about that, always planning for the next, always planning for the next, always planning for the next. You need to learn to live in the moment. Isn't that something, Paul, again, that I suppose we, we sometimes forget when we're growing up and it comes back to us later in life, the importance of just taking time for yourself. It's a hundred percent PJ and like PJ, like I, 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 I like to give this example. Like let's say PJ, you were young and you were, um, you, you love soccer and you loved um, Man United and you saw Georgie Best on TV. You'd be out in the front with your friends at seven or eight years of age and you believe you are Georgie Best. So when you were young, you used your imagination, you had dreams and you had goals. But as we go through something called life, we're going to have challenges. People are going to put us down. People are going to tell us we're not good enough, et cetera, et cetera. But as we go through life into our 20s and 30s, we forget to dream again. We forget to use our imagination. Everybody should have a vision. Everybody should have goals. When you have a, when you have a goal and you have a dream and you have a vision, there's more of a spark in your life. So while we tell people, go back to dream. Like if I told people last week that they were going to walk over burning coal of a few hundred degrees and nobody's going to get burnt, they wouldn't believe it. So we show people how to go out of their comfort zones. And what we've seen last weekend is people having fun, people coming back to themselves. We had people here. We mainly do the seminars is in, it's for anybody in the city, but mainly a lot of our friends are from the north side of the city. But we had people come through the door, some actually radio presenters, some politicians, some people on the social welfare, some people, some people had difficult times, let's say, out, out of prison and stuff. But what we found is that it doesn't matter what walk of life you come, everyone suffers with this mental chatter in their head. And when you show them a few simple techniques of how to get out of their own way, as you said, and to enjoy the present moment, you'll be amazed the peace that will come into their lives. And we see them going home, like being a better person to their child, being a better to their partner. We've shown people how to use the law of attraction, how to go out and create jobs. And we, we always say at the seminars, this is not about money, but if more money comes into your pocket on the back of using these tools, then that's great. The main goal of the seminars is how to create gaps in between the stream of your thoughts. Because when you create gaps in between the stream of your thoughts, there's peace there. Like PJ, if, if I... If I blocked your eyes, you can't see. If I blocked your ears, you can't hear. If I cloud your mind with thoughts, you go insane. 
And that's what's happening to a lot of people. People unknown to themselves are suffering with a racing brain. People unknown to themselves have a mental torture in their head. And I've seen some people financially free. You look at them, you think that the world is their oyster. They have, the, let's say, the dream home and mm. the car. And they're lovely mm. people. They're friends of mine. But they come to me and say, Paul, I can't sleep with my head. I'm waking at 3 o'clock in the morning and I have no peace. And we'd sit down with them. We'd show them a few simple techniques, and they're very easy techniques. And what we're finding within a few weeks, they're at more peace. They're at okay. more relaxedness. This is what I've been looking for, Paul. Well, hello, my friend, PMC. All one word, small letters, is where you'll find the videos on TikTok. I'd look at one or two of them earlier. And they're great, Paul. And to be honest with you, mate, I could listen to you talking all day. Your enthusiasm and, and your th- your, just your Thank thirst you. for this is tremendous. So hopefully uh, people will follow you to TikTok. That's Paul McCarthy, Ch- Game Changer. Uh, mental health on TikTok, and you will find him at Hello, my friend PMC. Uh, you, you kind of did you not just feel a little bit sort of juiced up there just listening to the guy? Thanks, Paul. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six on apprentices. You're talking about snobbery among the parents over careers. Some of these kids are under terrible pressure. A friend of mine teaches first, second, and fifth year maths in secondary, honours and ordinary. He has some pupils that are just not cut out for it. And he said to the parents, they'd be better off dropping down to ordinary level. And you get the response, no son of mine is doing past maths. Another girl was getting 80s and 90s in honour, in honours. And the parents said, room for improvement, all the same. Oh my God. Each one of those parents is as big a garbage as the other. Do you have to have the leaving to do an apprenticeship? No, you don't. You can get an apprenticeship with your junior cert. Uh, yeah, My grandson didn't know what he wanted to do. He went to Solace and is doing welding and he's doing really well. He's getting paid and he loves it. You can go anywhere with the trade. There's a lot of young fellas who don't want to go to college and this would be great for them. I am a great believer in apprenticeships. I had friends when I was going to school who often did apprenticeships and there were times in life when they had more work than I had. Uh, yeah, it's 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 great, and delighted that Ken is standing up for apprenticeships, um, because you start earning from day one. Now it's not great money, but you start earning money from day one. A few more bits on passports. About the passport, my friend filled out the application for two kids in December 2021. Postal order, waiting for more documents. Only yesterday she was ready to send it. Big surprise was the passport form changed from January 22 and they don't accept postal orders, only bank drafts. A friend was so stressed out, had to change everything. Oh, for God's sake. Had to change everything again. If any changes are made, they should let people know. Thank you. I have my son's first time passport in. They sent a query yesterday saying to send the original birth certificate. But I did send it. Can't get in contact with them. They were Australian birth certificates. I hope they haven't lost them. PJ, why do you need to renew your passport anyway after a certain time? Is it money spinner or what? Well, that's a kind of a global thing. Can't answer it, but it is a global phenomenon. Most passports only last for 10 years. We put in a first-time application for our newborn. Eight months we waited. There were no issues. We rang up and they couldn't even find the application. Crikey, Lord. Oh, 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The 
Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. Ah, I'm glad somebody else likes Smother. I absolutely love it. It's on WhatsApp. It keeps you hooked week on week. Shame it's such a short season. I think that's what makes it. It's just six episodes. It's a gorgeous house too. Oh, it was, oh yeah. It was a hotel up to a few years ago in Ireland's blue book of hotels. Love the private sweep down to the sea from the back. One can only dream. Oh yeah, the, the, the houses on that show and they're all over County Clare. They're not sitting top of one another like you'd sometimes think but they're all over County Clare. There's La Hinch Beach features an awful lot in it as well. It's really, really lovely. On the Mint Disco and the price of the tickets, Dee says the tickets are sold out for the Disco. So it must be the norm. I'd have paid it. It would have been the first time she'd wanted to go out and they missed out on so much. Mags bought her daughter. Where's that? Mags bought her daughter a ticket for Mint yesterday. Yeah, it's a bit steep, but she's a great kid and has been stuck home for so long. It'll be a lovely way for herself and her friends to wrap up uh, pre-junior cert exams. And still stuff on The Apprentices. I work on UCC. I see it every year, says Louise, or in UCC. I see bewildered kids that have no interest in study saying, Mom wanted me to do it. You talk to the parents and they say they're entitled to it. They're entitled because we don't want them to lose it. But it doesn't mean they should do it if it hurts them. Are kids being forced to college because their parents want them to go and they would rather be doing an apprenticeship? I think so. 0818 96 96 96. Now, I didn't know this was the only track of its kind in the country, but it is. It's a little racetrack in County Cork. A little racetrack for little cars. Little, tiny, radio control cars. And I watched a video of it on YouTube, and it's just brilliant. Martin Coleman is from Cork Racing Club. Where, whereabouts is it, Martin? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, we're just a few miles outside of Ballinhasic, so we're quite, quite close to the city. You don't know where the old hot rod used to be 100 years ago? Oh, uh, well, I'm not 100 years old, so I can't <laughs> recall where the, where the hot rod used to there be. There used to be a hot rod track in Ballincollig, well, I'm, I'm exaggerating slightly. My, my granddad used to bring me there. <laughs> yeah, it was a, the hot rod track. But you're out outside Ballinhasic, and it's all in one little small field, isn't it? That's all, yeah. It's all one in a, a small, um, I suppose it's probably two-acre piece of land, one-acre piece of land. Um, it's a, a one-eight scale racing is what we do. So the cars are roughly the size of a laptop, slightly bigger than a laptop, um, to just get a kind of a scale on things. And they can go quite fast right. when, when, when left to their own devices. Yeah, and there's quite an amount of skill in driving them. Oh, huge, huge amount of skill. I mean, um, like, there have been several Formula 1 drivers um, started off with, with radio control uh, cars. So, like, you like you have previous drivers, like current driver, like Lewis Hamilton, you have Aiton Sinner that used to do, Kimi Räikkönen, Pedro de la Rosa, all these boys would have cut their teeth on radio control cars, go-karting, yeah. um, and worked and walked their way up. So, wow. we're not quite at their level, but yeah. it's enjoyable. You're an international club, too. Yeah, well, we're affiliated with um, the, 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 an association in Ireland um, which incorporates clubs from uh, both north and south of the border. And we, we hold, regularly hold um, the competitions there on a yearly basis. So one or two rounds we both in um, the north and then there's, there's tracks, there's a different style track in Navin um, as well as ourselves down in Cork. So there's, there's about four, four clubs this year participating in what we call the All-Ireland 
championships. Right. And um, so it is um, good fun, so it is. Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd advise anyone to check us out because it, it, very little is known about us. Yeah. Is, and, it, is, um, it expe- is it expensive to get involved? Um, I suppose, look, it, it probably about probably about 400 euros, 500 euros will get you an entry entry into it so mm. to get you your, your car and, and radio and everything after that. It's just bling, bling and blitz really. Um, like you, like that's all you need is a car and a radio and off you go. Mm. And of course, look, I suppose it's, it's I suppose like cycling or golf what you can spend what you like then after that, you know, I mean, you mm. have to, once you purchase your bike or your set of golf clubs, you're good to go and anything after that then is is accessories. You so you have it. some great videos on 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 YouTube. And do would you would you do things like film the races and put them up on YouTube so people can watch them? Yeah, we we do um, take uh, little snippets. Um, no, we're we're only kind of really launched our social media side. We say in the last twelve months we've really kind of ramped it up a small bit, and we're getting we're getting massive feedback from that and huge interest. But we are uh, we do film. Um, Races as they go, and there's a couple of photographs as well, and we kind of go and take good close photographs of the cars when they're stationed and stuff, so you can kind of see the inner workings of them mm. and the whole lot. So, like, um, just, just definitely check us out on, I uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even TikTok. Don't ask me how it works, but we're on it. <laughs> <laughs> you, and, and, you mentioned yeah. Lewis Hamilton and, and others, and the huge anticipation at the moment now, I think, for Series 4 of Drive to Survive. But what you see there is massive technology. You have your own technology in miniature. We do most certainly. Um, like, like even for such a small car, we control control everything from the front suspension to the rear suspension, uh, brakes, brake payload to the front to the back, and then you can play around with different differential oils then to put more power to the back wheels and more power to the front wheels. There's everything you see in a Formula One car. We have it in these cars, Freaky. only just on a smaller scale. So you can go really, really deep into them. Mm. Or you can set them up and and continue playing with them for while you get enjoyment. And when you're racing, because your your season I think is what April to September, like that's that's yep. that's the decent time for weather. I mean, are your races open to the public to come and watch? Oh, of course, yeah. Oh, we'd be, be delighted to see more public down here watching. Um, and we often would have spectators down here, and they'd come up and uh, we 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 uh, we give them a bit of walk around the place to show them what we're about. Mm. And we've that's how we got members in the past, and hopefully that's how we get members in the future. Well, when you have an event coming up, let me know when it's on, and and I might even come down and have a look myself. But we'll we'll tell people when it's on. PJ, of course. And look, if, if you're coming down, let us know. And we'll, we'll line up some form for car for you. And you can uh, you can see how, put your own skills to the test and see how you enjoy it. Sound we, out. You never know, we, we might even have a new member. <laughs> well, actually, what I'll do is I'll bring my daughter down because she was the one who got me into um, Drive to Survive and has now got me anticipating the start of the Formula One season. So I'll bring her, I'll bring her down at some stage. Martin, thanks for being with us on The Opinion. And Martin Coleman from the Cork Racing Club, their miniature racing radio control track down there near Ballinhasic. Yeah, I must say Drive to Survive, I, I was, I'm a convert because Gemma was on about it and on about it and on about it and on about it. And then my brother and my sister-in-law, on about it and on about it. And I have never had any interest in, <laughs> no interest in that, Formula One. And then I said, one night there about, Oh, over Christmas, I'd say, I just said, ah, to hell with it. Let's see what all the fuss is about. And now I cannot wait for season four. And I cannot wait for the first race of the Formula One season. 
you learn something every day, you know. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. On yeah, on Paul and Game Changer. I can't say enough about him. The good work he's done is unbelievable to help people in Cork. I've seen the changes in people first, including myself. Paul is a true Cork hero. I'm going to Paul McCarthy's seminar. He and what you have learned, he and what you have learned, saved my life and gave me a new outlook on life. I've been attending attending his seminars over a year now. The changes have been remarkable. The work he's doing for people of Cork and beyond from all the goodness of his heart and wanting to spread awareness is second to none. The love I have for the McCarthy family knows no bounds. Wow. Wow. There's some response to Paul. As I said, I could have listened to him all day. The sheer enthusiasm in his voice for what he's doing. Don't forget the next big thing is a coming. Next big thing is a coming. Half past 12 Thursday. Simon will tell you everything you need to know. All I can tell you at this stage of the game is we have thousands and thousands and thousands of euro to give away. What I want you to do is tell all your friends, tell your family, tell everybody that you know, even the people you don't, to be listening Thursday, half past 12, for the next big giveaway on Cork's 96FM. I can tell you no more. I can tell you no more at this stage, only there's loads of dosh, loads of lolly. Get and give out. We'll tell you how Thursday, half past 12, 0818 96 96 96. It's hard. But what if you were to put your love life in someone else's hands? Someone from a completely different generation. Have you got a boyfriend? Are you looking for a boyfriend? Mm, I've just had it. I've had a girlfriend and a few girlfriends. Can you really put an old head on young shoulders or a young flame in an old heart? If we met a, a fella, we're home from a dance, you bring it into a milk bar. A milk bar? Let's take two complete strangers, one older, one younger, and have them join forces. <laughs> I've been five for four and ginger. And that's me, really. I'll have a bottle of whiskey. A bottle of I need to be a lot less prescriptive. Yeah. For three weeks, we'll follow these singletons as they give up control of their own love life to find each other a date. This is Generation Dating. It sounds like an awful lot of fun. Isabel Fernandez, good morning. <laughs> morning, how are you doing, BJ? Good. I watched one of the preview videos this morning and I'm thinking this could be so much crack. Oh, it was. It was absolutely. I have to say, we've been a lot of fun making it, and it was, it was very good. So, I mean, the concept is easy. You put you put you put someone with someone of a different generation, and they work on getting one another a date. Yeah, that's that's basically the concept of it. Um, so, yeah, you get matched with someone a younger, or someone in their twenties gets matched with someone a bit older, and you kind of form a bond and try and find each other, try and find each other a date. Mm. Now, you are one of the people. Who did you get paired up with? Oh, I got paired up with Tony. Right, tell me about Tony. Oh, Tony is 81 from the Liberties in Dublin. He's an absolute gent. Oh my God, he's just oh, the best thing ever. So myself and Tony got matched up and um, we met a good few times and we all oh, we got on the like house on fire, the two of us. So uh, we're great old pals still now, even the show's over and everything. Mm. But uh, we still keep contact. We ring each other and we're meant to be going for a pint now soon. 
good. And you know the difference in the generations? It's, it's brilliant, apart from that, Nels, to make, make friends, I guess, with someone who is, what, 50, 60 years older than you. Yeah, and I guess oh. you learn from each other. Absolutely. Oh my God. And like, in fairness to Tony, like I was like, I was a bit apprehensive to be honest with you because like, I, like I'm, you know, a gay woman and obviously being matched with someone older and in Ireland as well, we're so traditional. It was a bit, a uh, bit daunting to say the least, like, but I have to say like Tony, he's very traditional, but he's very, very open-minded as well in fairness. So it was really refreshing. It was a really nice experience. Like there's the thing that you're in that clip. Um, is mm-hmm. it, that's you, isn't it? When he said you're looking for a boyfriend, and and he says, "Well, I've had I've had a couple of girlfriends." How did he react? How did he react? Mm. Ah, he was grand. He was kind of he kind of took it on the chin. I don't think he really understood at the start. Like, and then we went over it again, and he was like, "Oh, right, okay." <laughs> but he was brilliant. Ah, he was very good. Right, and so it it starts this 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 Wednesday. And I, is it one episode you're in, or a series of episodes? Yeah, so it's um, four episodes all together and I'm in one. So myself and Tony, I think, are the start um, of the show. So we're t- it's tomorrow at nine. Right. Um, and then there's three more after that. So I think there was uh, four all together. Okay. And did you, I don't know whether you're allowed to give me any spoilers, did you, did you get mm-hmm. a date? Um, yeah, I did. I did. We both did. Very good. Very yeah. good. So you, so you, helped, you helped him as well. What would, like... The, having a friend that is, like I said, 56 years older than you, like, what did you learn mm-hmm. from him? What did... Ah, in fairness, we learned a lot. Like, we shared a lot of stories. Myself and Tony had a lot in common um, in different things, like funny things. Like, there was a lot of parallels with their different stories, like from him when he was younger and from me and what I've experienced so far. So we bonded on a lot of different things. But I suppose it was just very interesting as well to hear the perspective of what it was like, you know, for him growing up and when he was my age and how it was like he when he um like he was married with the with the wife and hearing his story about how he found her and everything like it's a gorgeous story and, and it's a rare one you wouldn't really hear it nowadays you know it's all it's all very different now the whole dating scene and everything so it was nice to, to hear them experiences and to live to relive them with them you know yeah and then and then he appreciated your experience as well being gay and all that Absolutely, yeah, yeah. He was very open-minded, and he—I think, in fairness, like we taught each other a lot, especially good. in terms of that. And like I said, Tony's very open-minded, like, and he was very, very good, like, in the way he took things on board, and Brilliant. he really respected them. And yeah, it was very, very good. We we'll look forward to it. It, it. it should be fun. It's Wednesday at nine, isn't it? It is. Yes, yes, yes. Virgin, nine, Virgin Media Television. That's Isabel Fernandez. Thank you, Isabel. The show is Generation Dating. It actually looks like, well, there's so many flipping dating shows out there now, like, and an awful lot of them are pure dross. But that actually looks like fun, and we got a preview video of it this morning. <laughs> I see, it is funny. On Paul, the game changer, I could listen to that guy all day. I feel I could take over the world, says Dave in Ballancolic. He's really got that empowering passion in his voice. Paul is doing so much good work for so many people. He has a heart of gold. 17 months ago, he put his arm around me and saved my life. Me and my family benefit every day from the seminars and the TikToks. Can't say enough about this man. The good work he's done is unbelievable. I've seen the changes in people, first including myself. A true Cork hero. Wow. Wow. 0818... 96, 96, 96. We had, lads, you could be here till 3 o'clock trying to pick entries. We had loads of entries again today. Loads of entries again. 
And the one that jumps out, well, we had so many. We could have given away three vouchers. We had, for example, Prada Chicana and Dressed to the 999s. Nick, what was your one? Uh, you're under the crest. You're under a crest. You're under, I, we like <laughs> that. And it's a kind of a executive decision that you are today's winner. Delighted, but, but, TJ. Poor Delighted. gosh. Uh, you're off to... You're, you're, where, where are you ringing from? I'm ringing from Wexford at the moment, but I'm from the city. You're from the city. Oh, well, you're away yeah. in work. We'll allow that. We'll allow that. And we will... Um, we sort that out with you. That's, you're the winner today with Board Gosh. You're under a crest. Nick Walsh, our winner today. The Board Gosh Energy Team, of course, of professional service engineers using 19 separate checks. He's back with the fee to ensure your border is running, or your boiler rather, is running safely and efficiently. They have appointments right now in Cork. For more information, boardgoshenergy.ie forward slash services. Board Gosh Energy, imagine a better way. A voucher every day this week for your take on a news story and a little extra treat on Friday. That's it. The programme edited by Fiona Corker and produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We shall see you tomorrow just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie It's coming. And you could win Mega Moolah. Listen for all the details this Thursday at 12.30. On Cork's 96 FM.